Good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Genesis Gems episode 70, where we cover Dark Castle. Ooh. <laughs> I'm one of the co-hosts, Nick Stevens, and with me this time is... Aaron, hey guys, how's it going? It's a, kind of a chilly night. It's chilly. It's a, uh, <laughs> what's that line from Castlevania 2? Something the bad night. <laughs> what a horrible night yeah, to is. have a dark castle. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the line, right? Yeah, that's it. We'll go with that. Something like that. <laughs> Speaking of castles, um, did you hear Dracula's moving out of this castle for a while? No. Yeah, the castle's actually getting a revamp. (laughs) 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 Anyway, very nice. This is the Genesis Gems podcast, and uh, been a little while since we recorded, so uh, just kind of do a little. I I think I teased about this one time on on my show notes. I have uh, small talk. I'm kidding. I don't really have that. uh, Aaron, how you been, man? Man, I've been doing pretty good. Uh, It's been a while since we talked. Dude, it's been almost a month. It feels yeah. like it's a. Uh, I was out for a while. Um, I went to Boston. I flew over to Boston, and uh, I was a volunteer at PAX East. I was also a performer at the PAX East Jam Space, yeah. and uh, I got to perform some of my original music on a real Sega Genesis. That's awesome, and it was fantastic. And. Uh, also got to help with a lot of the, the open jams so that basically meant you know be on stage and then you'd either lead someone with a <laughs> lead someone in a song you know like i i, I played uh what was it gauntlet the, the video game songs i know by heart aren't that many <laughs> i know gauntlet i know final fantasy i know tetris uh and a few others i can just kind of figure out by ear i i could figure out a lot of stuff by ear and, and jam with other people uh one of the funniest things that happened was the other keyboardist uh that was up on stage he's running a lot of it uh so he knows the riff from painkiller <laughs> um yeah i'm sure you know that song Nick. painkiller is that like the the old pc game it's uh no not not that but actually the, the judas priest Oh, I'm sorry. I th- you're talking video game music. I thought you meant like there's a game called Painkiller, wasn't there? It was like kind of a dark first person uh, yeah, shooter. Yeah, I think it was like a first person shooter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, I don't know that Judas Priest song. Uh, so it's got a cool riff in it. Uh, and we had someone on stage who knew the song and knew how to sing it. And it was so funny because like they're doing like the full on falsetto <laughs> Halford vocal and. <laughs> you know the guitarist is just going full on and drummer and then i'm over here i'm like i don't know this song but (laughs) i'm good at figuring out keys yeah so i figured out the key i was jamming along with them and then by the end of it it was just so chaotic i threw in uh the the beginning of smash mouth's (laughs) all-star because it was in the same key yep uh and uh, it was a very funny moment we also had a moment where I wanted to kind of trick the audience and because people were yelling, free bird, play free bird. And we're like, OK, so I said, OK, it's fine. We're going to play free bird. Just give us a minute. You know, we got to make sure everyone knows the the chords. And so I just kind of did a powwow with everybody and said, we're not doing free bird. <laughs> got to do free bird. We're doing Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Astley. <laughs> Never Gonna Give You Up. And so everyone was totally game for that. And it was it was insane. It was awful oh, wow. and hilarious and fun. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a kind of, like I, I think it's kind of hard to fill time sometimes when you're 
on the spot like that. I, I recently played with this uh, country artist. I'm not much of a country music guy, but uh, there's a kid that goes to my church. He just got signed onto a uh, small label in Nashville, and he asked me to come play at some... I call it a honky tonk bar. It was kind of a, a honky tonk bar. <laughs> yeah, and, um, like he going honky tonking. That's what it felt like. Um, it was a little outdoor uh, patio. You know, lots of cigarette smoke stuff. Not not quite my atmosphere, but it was fun uh, nonetheless. But he uh, usually just takes an acoustic guitar and sings. But uh, he decided to have a little lead, and I didn't know half the songs he was playing. And he just told me the key. Uh, what, what kills me though, is some of these acoustic guitar players. He's like, "Yeah, I'm playing this in G." And I look down. I'm like, uh, "No, you're on." You're putting a capo on your third fret. You're actually playing that in, I believe, oh, B flat. Oh, no, yeah. So it's like your actual key <laughs> is different yeah. because you're changing the open tuning. Yep. So I'm you're like, oh, great. Up. So I, yeah. I, I would ask him, I said, what uh, capo do you have it on? And what's the first note you're playing? <laughs> That's how I learned I did leads. But he did some familiar songs like he uh, – we did Simple Man. We did a lot of Leonard Skinner because kind of a nice oh, that's good. meeting, like, yeah, meeting can... in the middle of uh, rock and southern rock. Yeah, I, I can do, uh, as far as Leonard Skinner, um, I know I can do Sweet Home Alabama. I learned that one. Yeah. Uh, because I was supposed to be part of a high school band with the guitar instructor, and that was one of the songs we learned. It's kind of funny. <laughs> um, so, oh, the other thing that happened at PAX also at Open Jam was that we had this band come perform called the Library Bards, and that's an awesome name with the library. It's boards. an awesome that's name. A great yeah, name. they're they're hilarious because they do uh, geeky and nerdy parodies of top forty hit songs from like the eighties, nineties, and now. And uh, they they have some hilarious songs, and uh, they did their performance. And then the next day, uh, we we had talked to them, and I said, "Hey, well, uh, you know, we we've got a band up there. We can back you guys up." And because they weren't doing live backing when they performed. Um, and so, you know, they, they had basically their parody versions of the songs with the background music and then they would just sing over and perform. Uh, so we got with them and it's like, well, why don't we back you up? And so <laughs> I was originally going to play keyboards. And I was like, uh, you know what? There was one guy who was just noodling around on the bass and then like he was kind of freaked out when, when we said <laughs> what the idea was. So he's like, uh, no, I'm good. And so um, I don't normally play bass guitar, but there I was on stage with this this band who's got some renown um, in they they play a lot of geek and and nerd fests, um, and there I am playing bass guitar for them. So uh, it was <laughs> it was fun. We we went through four songs. Uh, they they have a parody. Uh, I'm trying to think. They have like a Taylor Swift parody. They had a uh, Joan Jett parody. Um, they had a Hit Me With Your Best Shot. And uh, that one's actually, I think it's Now You're On The Bridge, Spock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, you're you're a, le- you're a lefty, right? Was it a left-handed yeah, bass? Yeah, I'm a lefty. So I was playing an upside-down uh, right-handed bass oh, guitar, wow. which is okay. It's okay because I've never, except for at a guitar store, I've never played a left-handed bass guitar. Oh, wow, okay. I guess it's not too bad with the one string and everything, but still, that's got to be a little tough. Yeah, it's it's not bad at all, to okay. be honest. Um, the, the hard part was the fact that, like, they're throwing out, like, oh, here's the chords, and here's the, and, like, that's, that's great, but on bass guitar, 
I don't remember all the. I remember the strings, but I don't remember all the notes. Oh wow, yeah. So uh, that's the which is fine. Like I've got a musician's ear. I know chord progressions. Yeah. I know whole steps and half steps. I know all of that. So and, and if you memorize a few scales, it's not too hard to pick up. It's not too yeah. hard. So. Uh, I, I made it work, I think. Yeah. The only reason I know the notes on my guitar is because I started playing bass when I was in high school. Like, I learned guitar at, you know, 13, 14 years old, but I only knew power chords and a few open chords, and I started playing bass, and then I learned the whole neck of the gu- bass guitar, and so it just kind of translated over to guitar. <laughs> That's how I started oh, learning yeah. to play leads. Yeah, it's kind of neat. Yeah, oh, learn, yeah. Learning bass, I mean, it can be a really easy task, but if you really dig into playing bass, you can get really good and hey, really bass understand guitar, it. bass guitar, it's just a guitar with fewer strings. <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. That's... Rock That's kind out. of an old uh, an old quote from a, a bass guitar. One of my favorite bassists. That's what he thought when uh, someone told him to play bass guitar. He's like, <laughs> oh, it's a guitar with fewer strings. It's like, I, lo- I love that song by Spinal Tap in the movie where they're all playing basses and it's called Big Bottom. That's <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. great. <laughs> oh, oh, man. And, I, and I'm actually playing a, I'm playing a solo gig coming up. A friend of mine's uh, getting ready to open up a winery. Um, about 20 minutes uh, down the road from me, and I'm, I'm doing a little that, solo. Uh, next to the cheesery? Cheesery. He's going to have just a little cheesery and winery. <laughs> that was a cheesy <laughs> joke. Um, but I've been messing around with a loop pedal, and I've been taking some, uh, some you know, kind of rock oh, yeah. songs and turning them into, like, acoustic things. Like, I just uh, did a little version of um, Be Yourself by Audio Slave. I don't know if you know that one or not. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. I, I know most of the Audio Slave tracks. Yeah. So I, I, just, I just figured that out. Uh, I did a... I think I posted on Facebook a long time ago. Um, the kids aren't all right, but the offspring do a real cool version of that. I've been trying to find songs that use the same, you know, four chords over and over for the whole song, so I can loop that. <laughs> and then I kind of use the strings muted as a percussion, and then I'll play the melody. I guess I can't sing. I play the melody of the vocals uh, on the guitar. So now I've been kind of picking all that out. It's been pretty fun. So I have to fill about two hours of time. I think I, I at least have an hour. I think I can kind of make up the rest because with that looper pedal, I'll just start picking you know, three or four chords and loop it and just kind of improvise a solo over it. So that's awesome. Yeah, so that's uh, fun. What was it? Uh, I did back uh, to <laughs> back to packs real quick. <laughs> I know this I keep interrupting. Video man, I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and indie gaming. Uh, you know what? I didn't really get to go to the main floor much, and <laughs> <laughs> I went two times. I think. Uh, one time was to go pick up. I actually wanted to get an ocarina, so I did. I got a did few you really? I've been yes, wanting to do that too. That's awesome. Uh, one that's shaped like a pokeball. <laughs> All <laughs> things. Um, and then I wanted to play Shaq Fu Returns, but I missed it. <laughs> Didn't. I wanted to see what it was all about. I missed out. But um, there was just so much going on. PAX East, PAX in general is just a huge event. Yeah. Um, you can miss a lot of stuff. And there's all sorts of video games to play and tournaments. And uh, I had one friend who went and he played PUBG, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. And he played it with his brother. And they didn't even kill anybody. They just, I think they just camped. And they ended up getting third place and won a mouse pad. Just amazing. It's pu- it's PUBG a lot like Fortnite. My kid plays uh, Fortnite. It's all like the Fortnite, time. but a little more serious. Yeah, I know Fortnite's very cartoony, which is good for the kids. There's no blood. Yes, yes, because it, I can't I can't keep my kids away from Fortnite. Oh, it's crazy, man. That's all they do. And if they're it's not, all pl- my kids want to play, and I'm just and, like, and if they're Whoa. not playing it, they're watching people on YouTube play it. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, I heard that. 
So to reel it back, back to Sega Genesis <laughs> yeah. somehow, because I, I don't want to get too far away. Um, yeah, so I played my set live on a Sega Genesis using my EverDrive cart, <laughs> and uh, it, it, it was great. And I had a little screen there, and uh, it was fun. I also did the same thing uh, when I got back to San Antonio. I just I was just so full of energy. I wanted to keep playing live. Um, and I, I didn't have anything booked, so I just went to a few open mics. Yeah. And, uh, you know, other than looking like a space alien up on stage with Sega Genesis, uh, it, it went over well. So people seem to dig it. Cool, um, man. you know, cause it's typically like, what, what do you typically hear at open mic? You hear a lot of, uh, I don't know, covers of, uh, Poison. Weezer and uh, <laughs> Every road Radiohead and uh, and Offspring. And, I'm probably gonna lose a lot of fans, but I just do not like Radiohead <laughs> or or Coldplay. <laughs> Radiohead. It just <laughs> a lot of the more popular stuff is what people know. Mm-hmm. But I, I'll forgive you. No, thank no, you. Thank okay. you. Like my best friend does not like Radiohead, and I consider you one of my best friends. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I was like, "Hey, I didn't know I was your best friend. Thanks. <laughs> That's cool." Now I got a, I have a friend who just kept throwing OK computer down my throat. You gotta love it because we always had Tool in common, the Deftones, and he's like, "This is like that stuff, but you know, kind of watered down." <laughs> just, watered down. Oh like, man. Well, you do. You know, just I'm talking like a, like with the edge. There's not as much edge to it, and I'm just like, "Oh, it's not my thing." But you That's know, whatever. So not saying they suck or anything. I just it's not my cup of tea. Yeah. And like my my the pastor in my church loves Coldplay and he's always wanting to play like Coldplay songs and incorporate into the sermon. <laughs> Something about Coldplay just makes me want to slip my wrist. <laughs> Don't play this. <laughs> anyway. uh, yeah. You know what? I can't lump in Radiohead with Coldplay because I feel like Coldplay is a band that, uh, and maybe we'll lose fans over this, but I feel like they're the band <laughs> that steals from all the other bands. Probably right. Uh, but they've got some catchy stuff. Just not my cup of tea. I'm actually going to go see Tool in May. Can't wait. First time I've ever seen Tool live. Rock on the range. <laughs> so if any of you guys go, Genesis Gems listeners, Columbus, Ohio, get a hold of me. I'll come by and say hi. But yeah, Tool, I'm only going up for the Sunday show because I'm too old to do that weekend uh, <laughs> camp out <laughs> rock show thing. Just going to watch Tool. So. All I heard was you're too old. Y- yeah, I am. So, all right, <laughs> guys, we are the Genesis Gems Podcast. That was a fun little uh, rant we had there. But uh, if you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on the web at GenesisGemsPodcast.com. Go in there and click the articles. We just uploaded a new article from Nick DeMarco. Uh, he actually published it on the 1st of April. I just now got it on the site. Sorry, Nick. Uh, he did Three Ninjas Kickback. Really cool article. Nick's got a lot of humor in there, so go check that out. Some of the things are inside jokes. So you need to come over and join our Facebook group at Facebook.com slash group slash Genesis Gems to be part of that inside joke. Uh, I love inside jokes, and I hope to be part of one one day. Michael Scott. Uh, you can yes. check, check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Genesis Gems Podcast. Send us an email at genesisgemspodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Gen Gems. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. And we are part of the Retro Junkies Network at theretrojunkies.com. And uh, we are also on Patreon, guys. For all you who donate to our Patreon, we want to say a big thank you. Uh, you can check us out on patreon.com slash Gems. And looking at the current patrons... 
patrons. I did it right. I want to make sure I'm on the right month. Last time I clicked the, <laughs> the wrong month. So uh, I want to say a big thanks to Chris Vanderhoff. I think Chris said he may not be supporting it anymore. So whatever, Chris. If you want to keep supporting it, we appreciate it. If not, then, you know, take off. No, I'm kidding. We love you, Chris. Um, <laughs> also, a, also Chris is a unique a unique guy. I actually got to meet him. Yeah, did, that's right. Did we talk about that? Yeah, yeah we met I, in Austin. Did, yeah. He's and a I nice keep, guy. And I keep, I keep, uh, accidentally, and, and I swear, Chris, I'm not doing this on purpose. Like, we're doing the Retro Junkie, uh, or the Genesis Gym Junk Box, and I accidentally left him off the list, and I swear I didn't do it on purpose. So, oh, sorry, God. Chris. Yeah, he, he wasn't real happy about that. No, I'm <laughs> He messaged me. But, uh, also, big thanks to Jared Adams, who's been one of our top givers, uh, from day one. So, Jared, big thank you. He's been getting all kinds of cool stuff in the mail. So, big thank you there. I had a new giver at the $20 tier. Thank you so much, Kaylee. And I'm sorry if I say your last name wrong. It's spelled T-K-A-C-H. I'm going to believe maybe it's Koch or Tox. I don't know. But, um... Thank you so much for your contribution. I uh, also want to say a big thanks to Andrew Coed, Joseph Garris, Geekvolution, Rob, Timothy McGallan, Tyler J., Stephen Godvich, Chris Fox, Brady Pedal, Otto Gregerson, Jim Jones, Jim, Mighty Matt D., Jonathan Henderson, Gabe Van Gilder, Ian McGarry, Classic Gaming Quarterly, Cutta, NZ17, Ross Beck, Alex, Bastin, Bastian Ocera, Barnaby Jones, Jason Wilson, Bradley Smith, Retroblist, Andy Layton, John Grayson, Joshua Witt, Landon Long, and Michael. Thank you so much for being a gem. So, Aaron, we also had some giveaways that we haven't actually got a giveaway for. We we mentioned it on our Patreon our pa- Patreon show and uh, didn't quite get there. But we have some giveaways for the FM Possible 2. Yeah. And what we'd like to do here is whoever sends us an email. It's the first email we get. We're not giving all the codes away. But whoever sends us an email at genesisgemspodcast at gmail.com with the subject line FM Possible 2 will get a free code to download the Bandcamp um, website's FM Possible 2, which is some real cool stuff. Aaron's on there. I downloaded it myself. Awesome FM tracks. You want to talk a little and, bit about uh, that? If you're on our Patreon, I might be able to work out getting you a physical copy. Ooh. I like that. So we'll have to take that. We'll have to look at that too, patrons. And if you're not on our Patreon, go do it. <laughs> so, yeah, send us an email with uh, FM Possible Two as a subject line, and we will get you a code to that. Just one winner for this episode. So we appreciate that. All right. Do we have any email? I need to go check that real quick. Um, is this you know, it? we didn't have. Uh, I we got Facebook messages like to. I saw I you answered a few. Yeah. If you want, I can tell you what those were. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I, I just pulled up an email, so whenever you're done with that, I, I knew I had an email somewhere I wanted to read. So, uh, yeah, go ahead and talk about the Facebook messages. That'd be great. Yeah, so uh, sometimes people send us messages to our inbox, and, and I'm usually like, hey, join our Facebook group so you can interact <laughs> with us more. Uh, so we had one uh, gentleman who wanted to know if we'd ever cover cool spot and you know what if we get enough of you guys interested in that we'll definitely do it one of us might pick it or uh it might so happen that it comes down to a vote so uh that was from mark just asking if we'll ever cover cool spot which is from virgin and uh kind of the, the same developer who made aladdin around that time so it's it's a pretty pretty neat game and then we had another uh, person who messaged us a while back, and then I just I saw the message, and then I forgot to respond to it. And I think he actually sent us a message last year. Oh no! Uh, better better late than than never, I guess. Uh, <laughs> sorry, it's sorry, Mario. 
I mean, maybe it's because his name was Mario. I think that was the issue. Oh. <laughs> we just have like a, we have a Nintendo filter. There you go. <laughs> and it's a little spotty. And I think it saw Mario and just kind of dropped his message to the bottom of the queue. It's a to-do uh, spam filter. <laughs> it is. No, he, he had asked, um, he had asked. Okay, so Mario was the one who asked about Cool Spot. I'm sorry. Mark is the one who asked about um, the Sega Genesis Classic collection system with the 80 games. I think, I'm wondering if he's talking about the HD one. But he was trying to figure out how to get two-player mode working in Altered Beast. And I thought it was you press the start button on the second controller when it's plugged in. But he said that didn't work. So I'm, I'm not sure. Listeners, if you know what I'm talking about and you have an answer, please chime in. I think he's actually going to join our group. So Awesome. Uh, that is pretty cool. Awesome. Well, good deal. And our email came from Jim Govani. And sorry, Jim, if I said that wrong. Uh, the title or the subject was Lost in Nostalgia Podcast. And Jim says, good morning. Sent this on March 29th, so we're a little late on reading this. As a fan of your podcast and the meticulous detail you put into it, I wanted to share my own with you. It's called Lost in Nostalgia. Here's a little summary. A limited episode podcast presented as a mix of old and new recordings from 97 until 2017, outlining late 90s arcade games with a Namco-leaning focus. It's a 25-episode series plus one introductory Day Zero episode. Episodes should be listened in order from 0 to 25. They are pretty short. Despite the release date of the most recent episode, the podcast is very active. Episodes are being released with dates from the past to line up in a certain way with real events from 97. No pressure to listen, just spreading it around. Thanks. And he gave me a link, which I will be putting that into the show notes. So thanks for uh, listening, Jim. Uh, it's always nice to hear from uh, other people who are doing similar things to what we're doing, trying to spread the retro love. So we will be sharing your podcast, Lost in Nostalgia. It's uh, lostinnostalgia.libson.com. And I will also be putting that on the show notes for an easy click if you're um, on any of the uh, podcast sites. So thanks again for emailing. And send us more emails, guys. Like like getting those. They're nice to have. All right. Well, I think we can head on right to our next segment, which is Sega Snippets. Tap one, two. Sega. Now it's time for Sega Snippets. And Aaron, uh, my big Sega snippet, which I'm going to do a solo podcast on our Patreon page. I haven't announced it yet. He's actually quitting. He's doing yeah, a solo podcast. Going solo. On. Going solo. No. <laughs> but uh, I just finished, uh, for the first time ever, uh, Bayonetta, the first the first one. I bought the Bayonetta 2 on Switch. It came with a free code to Bayonetta 1, and I beat that. You know, As we know, Sega, Sega made that... Um, Oh crap! Was it a uh, Platinum Games that developed that? I believe. Yeah, it was Platinum. Yeah, Platinum Games, Games developed uh, it. Who kind of split off from Capcom? Yeah, who also? Um, I can't remember the dude's name. I'll get they into that. Worked on Okami and uh, Devil May Cry. Yeah, it was a. There's there a lot of Devil May Cry influence in uh, Bayonetta as well. So, uh, very cool game. I'm going to talk about it on Patreon. You know, whether it's good, gem or garbage, whatever we call that. But I um, really love that. I put about 15 hours into it, which is a pretty meaty game for uh, kind of a hack and slash, more action oriented. Um, it's it, like I said, it's more of a hack and slash, a little bit of gunplay, uh, some really interesting surprise levels, which I kind of spoiled it for Aaron today because I couldn't hold it back anymore. Uh, one of the things you actually do in the I game. I mean, the game's been out for how long yeah, now? Yeah, it's kind of understandable. But a very nice love letter to, to an old Sega classic I'll talk about in the Patreon uh, episode, but I uh, really love that. Of course, um, he's talking about uh, 
I'm trying to think of. A, I'm like, let me think of a game that he's talking about. He's talking about Girls Garden. Uh, no, that's, <laughs> so that, that's like an obscure like Crystal's Pretty. Uh, n- no, it's an obscure Sega game from SG1000. I was like, yeah, it was. A, it was a Girls Garden reference. It was like the first game that that Yuji uh, Naka worked on. Yeah. Very cool, and then um, I've also I haven't played it in a while. I, I'm I'm having trouble sticking with a game on my PS4 because I got my Switch around. But I played a, quite a bit of uh, Yakuza Zero. Uh, I want to get back to that because I just beat the fourth. I think the fourth chapter. There's got quite a bit more to go. I think there's there's well over ten chapters in that game. So um, very cool. I'm hoping we can line up a Patreon for that, Aaron. So it motivates me to play it more. Very yeah, cool game. and uh, people, if you want, if you go on Humble Bundle right now. It's Sega and Capcom teamed up to do a bundle, and yeah. one of the tiers, if you pay more than the average price, basically there's Pay What You Want, which will get you Crazy Taxi, Dust Horse, and uh, another game, I believe. If you pay more than the average, you actually get a 50% off Yakuza 0 coupon Very cool. for the PS4. So if you want to get a digital copy there, it'll only be $30 instead of 60 which is very nice. Yep, very, very much worth it from what I've played so far. And uh, then as far as non-Sega goes, which we talked about, you know, talking about games we're playing outside of the Genesis as well, uh, I just picked up today, it just came out today um, for the Nintendo Switch, it's the uh, South Park RPG, RPG, which is called a Fractured Butthole. Um, <laughs> yes, the Fractured Butt. <laughs> but I, I didn't get a chance to play um, the Stick of Truth, which was actually developed by Obsidian, which is awesome. Um this you know this one's uh, published by Ubisoft and Ubisoft whatever you want to call it but uh, I started to watch South Park again the other night I only watched the first couple of, uh, seasons in the past and I always thought it was kind of funny but uh, I don't know it kind of made me want to watch that that show is so offensive to about everything in the world but you gotta laugh at it it makes fun of everything but I'm very excited to get into that um, I, I I like turn based RPGs when they have more of a light hearted take on it I, I remember people always laugh at me because one of my favorite turn based RPGs is probably uh, Barkley Shut Up and Jam Gaiden which was a fan made game. <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> so much fun! It used sprites it's from like Streets hilarious. of Rage and a bunch of other games. So I, I like the goofy turn-based RPGs. Um, so th- this is gonna be pretty fun, and I love playing games on my Switch. So can't wait to dig into that. I'll, I'll let you all know how that how that is uh, progressing on the next show. But uh, hopefully, maybe fire that up tomorrow when I get some time. It'll probably be too late tonight <laughs> when we finish yeah. the cast. But yeah, can't wait to start that game. So how about you, Aaron? Uh, yeah. So for me, uh. You were asking me about Patreon episodes, um, possibly doing some solo or teaming up with other people. And uh, there's other people in our network that uh, I said, hey, I'm going to do a Monkey Island Patreon episode on Sega CD because that was my first introduction to that series was uh, we owned it on Sega CD. So I'm actually covering Monkey Island with uh, Dan Tolan. My buddy from Retro Obscura, <laughs> the the late Retro Obscura until we bring it back. <laughs> uh, it's it's always in our hearts. Um, and then also uh, our good buddy Josh Witt, our sometimes co-host. Yeah, that was so cool to see him. The do yeah, that. he's like, oh, I've got to be on the. Episode. Yeah. I'm like, yes, you do, buddy. I haven't heard from Josh in a while, so that was exciting. Yeah, and, and what was so cool was uh, so you can play the game if you guys want to play along. You can play it on Sega CD, or uh, if you have, I think it's pretty much any version of the, the CD versions, you can go into ScumVM. Uh, if you have a Sega CD version, uh, 
that's the best way, honestly. <laughs> I, I played through the whole game on Sega CD. Uh, the only problem with that is, you know, you've got some slowdown issues. Yeah. Um, because of just the way it was designed for that system and adapted. But if you played on Scum VM, you have all the assets of the Sega CD version. You've got the CD quality audio. You've got the look and feel of the game. But you have zero slowdown, and you can use a mouse. It's a oh, point-and-click yeah. adventure game. So being able to use a mouse is pretty sweet. And that's how I, I had it on a uh, an old, old PC of mine in high school, and that's how I always play it was point-and-click. Never played it on any other system. So really? Never have, no. I, I mean, I played it. I think we had a, like an adventure set that included that Monkey Island 2. So I played a little bit there. And then I want to say I tried the EGA version, which is a 16-color version uh, at one point. But for me, it was mostly the Sega CD version. Like That was <laughs> what I cut my teeth on. It's like I went from playing Maniac Mansion to that to Day of the Tentacle. <laughs> and, uh, just great games. Um, that's not a spoiler. It's, it's an all-time classic. But... Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I actually did get to beat that game, um, and I got my oldest daughter interested in it. So she, next time I have my kids over, she wants to play it. So cool! Super excited for that. And there's actually a version of Monkey Island you can get where it's the ultimate talkie version. So you get the voice acting from the remake, and then it's on top of the original game, like the the CD release. So like the way it looked in the 90s. Cool. Uh, so it's kind of the best of both worlds, in my opinion. Besides that, I wanted to address, uh, you know, sometimes we get some cool stuff come up in our group. Um, so my good buddy Dan Basilia, he asked a question that was pretty interesting. He said, "What what's your favorite non-Streets of Rage series, <laughs> Genesis? Beat them up. And he mentioned that he likes Ninja Turtles, Hyperstone Heist, um, doesn't love it. I mean, he likes Comic Zone, but um, it's kind of not arcadey enough for him. So it was cool. We had a lot of interaction. Uh, we, we had mentioned, a uh, few people mentioned uh, a Sailor Moon game that recently got fan translated that's called B Shoujo. Senshi Sailor Moon. I'm probably butchering that, but that's okay. So that's uh, supposed to be really good. Uh, Mystical Fighter. Uh, people mentioned Comic Zone again. Um, I mentioned Maze and Saga because we yeah. covered that one. And I said, you know what? This game's pretty decent, uh, except I wasn't a huge fan of the boss battles, of course. <laughs> and then I have a soft spot for DJ Boy, which is uh, a game where you're on... Because, you know, everyone liked playing a skate in Streets of Rage 2. DJ Boy, you're on roller skates and all the enemies are. It's pretty great. Yeah. You uh, you actually <laughs> turned me on to that one. I, I bought that. I went, went, Did you, you ever get to play it much? Yeah, yeah. I, I put a, quite a bit of time into it. I know when yeah, you, you, you and I first started hanging out on the podcast here, I mentioned I love beat-em-ups, and you told me to go check that out. I bought it, like, the next day. And because of the same, you know, was it? It's pretty wacky, but it's Kaneko, it's that makes, uh, or however you say that, Kaneko. Made Chester yeah. Cheetahs also <laughs> made that game. I was like, oh no, but different story. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I also mentioned Captain America, but it's like <laughs> the music's great, but the gameplay's a little 
not as good as the arcade version. I don't know how yeah. to put that. Did anyone mention? Whenever we cover it, yeah. I didn't, I didn't get a chance to read the whole thread because I was pretty pretty active. Did anyone mention the Punisher, which is like one of my favorite beat em up yeah. games? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Someone mentioned the Punisher, and I almost mentioned it, but I I seem to recall that one. Uh, it's super rare. I know that, but yeah, I don't is. remember how authentic it was to the arcade version. It was, I, it's definitely a little bit of a downgrade, but the, it, it's very fun. Um, it's definitely a, a good Capcom beat em up. Or is it Konami? I was, kind, I was always kind of frustrated yeah, that Sega, they made these awesome beat em up games. Like you had Golden Axe Revenge of Death Adder, which never, um, saw a console release. Yeah. You also had the Spider Man game, um, that was a cool mix of, uh, you know, beat em up and uh, a little bit of platformer. But I think part of it was, I think they could have done those games on 32X, but even by that point, beat-em-up games were kind of getting a, a bit outdated. <laughs> by yeah. the time the 32X hit, there just weren't a lot of, uh, I don't know, there was kind of a glut of beat-em-ups. And there's like 20. There's 20 for the Sega Genesis, okay? I think there's like 20 <laughs> beat-em-up games. And then the Super Nintendo was like 50. There's so many. Uh, it's insane. And, uh, yeah, so that was most of the guide. I mentioned also that there's a few recent ones from Pico Interactive where they took like a, a few Taiwanese beat-em-up games. Uh, one's Water March and another one's called Yang Family. Uh, generals of the Yang family. So those are interesting to check out also. And uh, someone mentioned Growl. You've got uh, Golden Axe, of course. Golden Axe series. And yeah, so on and so forth. But I thought that was a pretty cool thing there. Very cool. That's, um, I think that's about it for my Sega snippets. I didn't get to mention earlier uh so i've got a new game <laughs> that came out on steam uh i did the music for it and it's by my yeah. good buddy dave vote who also put another game out on steam fairly recently called the bounty deluxe this one is called bug attack so i did the music for that one and it's if you love uh, old school arcadey action games uh it's, it's a fun time waster it's it's how i'd put it so cool yeah all right aaron hey i got a question for you oh what's that you ready for this next segment <sighs> i don't know it's called ask aaron <laughs> oh. aaron hickman is a dude who knows a lot about sega games ask him questions it's okay and he will answer them if he wants to. <laughs> <laughs> all right Stop. Well, I'm going to pull this up. If you guys would like to ask Aaron a question, make sure you join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash, slash group slash Genesis Gems. And we'll post a picture of Aaron up every uh, before the show. Usually give you all a week. I know I posted this on the 17th, gave it a deadline of the 20th, so a little less than a week. But I wanted to make sure we kind of scrunched it down. But I uh, had quite a bit of questions here, so we're going to take it from the top. Uh, who would have known? The first question comes from Chris Vanderhoft. And Chris says, oh boy. Aaron... <laughs> Why does Dan Baskilia not like people from Wisconsin? <laughs> uh, you know what? You'd have to ask Dan. So uh, Dan is our mutual friend out of <laughs> Austin, Texas. So Dan just said, don't answer this. This isn't a real name. 
Uh, so <laughs> I don't know. I think I think he has no problem with people from Wisconsin. Uh, <laughs> so Benjamin Murphy asked, "Did you hear that Sega is releasing a brand new game for the Genesis next year? It's called Outrun 2019. That's amazing." Uh, have you pre-ordered it yet? And will you be doing a special episode to review it? We better. Yeah, that I'm thinking awesome. we have to do. Uh, we have to do Captain America and the Avengers because the the movie that's tying up the whole MCU. That's true. That's coming out soon. We'll probably it? have to do that at some point. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you know what? I did know about Outrun 2019. It's not as good as Outrun, but hey, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a look. Uh, hopefully everyone got that joke. I hope. <laughs> uh, so Nick DeMarco asked Aaron. Hey, I'm, I'm supposed to be asking these questions, man. Come on. Oh, <laughs> you know what? I'm breaking format. You are. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You said it's ask Aaron and I'm like, oh, hey, I'm already on it. I asked the first sorry. question. You just got, I was You're go- the whiz. I, I, I'm, I was I'm debating. Go ahead and just uh I was debating in my mind: Do I just let him go with it, or do I stop him? And I, I know we, I know we hear some, here. I know we'd hear some flack from our listeners. So, oh, I'm sure. <laughs> All right. So, Nick so Demarco, Nick Demarco asked Aaron, "Did this rocking prevent you from a sudden predator death?" Also, what Konami arcade only title deserved deserved a Genesis port the most? Whew. Um. Uh, so, I'm still alive. Thank you very much. <laughs> to answer your question. Konami beat em ups that deserve reports for the Sega Genesis. I would say it's hard to say. I'd probably go with The Simpsons because while we have at least one good X Men game on the Sega Genesis, there are zero good Simpsons games on the Sega Genesis, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, Simpsons Arcade. Or you could go a little more obscure and Bucky O'Hare. Bucky O'Hare, yeah. Great arcade game. You always got a violent storm too. That's a that's an interesting one. <laughs> yeah. So cool. All right. So Chris Vanderhoft again says, Were you rocking like a hurricane? Yes. <laughs> I had to think about that one. Yes. Yes, yes he was. Uh, I think this next one may, we may have already talked about, but if there's anything else that comes to mind there, and just go right ahead. He's Timmy Mac says, "What are you currently playing, Sega or otherwise?" Please also ask Nick. Oh, what am I playing on there? Well, I just got an EverDrive, so I've pretty much just, I've I got to spend some time uh, hang out with my buddy Jesse and went over there, brought the EverDrive over, and we just played a bunch of. Uh, two-player games i don't know if i mentioned this on another show but uh, there's a game called wiz and liz yeah uh which is actually really fun and i had never played it growing up it's a psychosis game and uh it's, it's fun to play multiplayer and it it really shows some blast processing i'll just say <laughs> that like it, it looks like sonic the hedgehog 2 and that there, it's split screen and you kind of run around the screen but it moves really fast and uh it's just a fun arcadey uh arcade game. So that that's one for sure. Uh Troubleshooter and the Japanese only sequel to that. Uh so whew, I'm trying <laughs> to think 
what there's so many other games i got to play soul deece which is a a shooter from wolf team and one that i only ever played on sega cd when it was called soul feast but it's still a fun game it's probably got better music than better than gameplay but i think it's cool uh and then finally star cruiser which i do want to cover probably on patreon eventually which is a Japanese-only game that got recently fan-translated. And uh, it's almost like you have some space exploration mixed with some uh, almost Wolfenstein 3D-ish gameplay before that was a thing. Really? Yeah. Okay. Using uh, it's 3D on the Sega Genesis, early 3D. Yeah. Huh. Never heard of it. It was called... Star so, Cruiser. Star Cruiser. I knew some cruiser. I'm gonna check that out myself. So there's a. Is it a fan re-release or is it just like a? Uh, yeah. A so ROM? there's a fan. There's a ROM and there's a fan translation for it okay. that recently came out. And there's a sequel, uh, but that's not on the Sega Genesis. The first one is though, and it, it it's a port. I think it was originally on uh, the PC98, which is like a Japanese computer, and it was kind of ported around a bit. But the the music's amazing and. Uh, it's got some pretty pretty interesting gameplay. Awesome. I have to check that out. It's nice to actually kind of reveal some new stuff that you haven't really played on the Genesis. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah, cool. that's not one uh, I knew about until a few years ago. So, yeah, super cool. Awesome. And, uh, of course, I mentioned Monkey Island, so that's the major yeah. Sega CD game I've been playing. Excellent. All right. Joseph Garris says, if life were a video game... What would some of the cheat codes be? <laughs> life were a video game. Gosh, I wish life had cheat codes because I'd be doing a little bit of that up, up, down, down, left, right, left, yeah. right, BA start. <laughs> or I would do the, uh, do you remember the, was it the, the, the blood code in oh, Mortal geez. Kombat? <laughs> more, it more was blood. like Abacab, Abacab, right? I can't remember. A-B-A-C-A-B-B. <laughs> Eat that, Super Nintendo. <laughs> we had the blood code. Yeah, now, yeah. I had it on Super Nintendo, and I just remember, why is why is Johnny Cage making him sweat? It's just like <laughs> everything was sweat. Oh, yeah, the only like the only like gruesome finish, or finisher was the uh, scorpion flame. <laughs> everything else just looked like, well, did he just put his hand through his chest and nothing came out? <laughs> oh, yeah. man. That's funny. All right, so uh, Gabe Van Gilder says, Aaron, are you excited for the new Sega Genesis slash Sega Saturn Bluetooth controllers coming out, hopefully this year? If so, any news of their release date? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm generally excited for Bluetooth anything. Um, the only problem I'd have with using it with a retro system is I always kind of worry if there's any sort of input lag especially for games that are like super precise. Uh, but you know what? I've got an 8-bit 8-bit do, 8-bit do uh, controller right here in my hands, which is the uh, or maybe I, I lied. I've got a retro bit <laughs> controller, <laughs> but 8-bit 8-bit do uh, does some really solid work. So I'm excited for that. And hey, if if we got a chance to Review one of their products. I would love that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, very cool. 
the next one I think is a really cool question. I don't know that we've been asked this before. Barnaby keeps asking good questions. He asked me real deep questions on the Nick at Night segment uh, Patreon. But uh, Barnaby Jones says, what is your favorite ticket redemption, redemption game currently at arcades? Oh, yeah. I think I've talked about this before. But my absolute favorite one right now is probably Space Invaders Frenzy. And I think it's just because uh, it's made by people who actually love video games. <laughs> and uh, even though there's a ticket redemption aspect to it, uh, um, I just love how it gives you like these giant turrets. <laughs> it's a two-player game of Space Invaders, which you know you think, big whoop. But it's like Space Invaders mixed with Galaga, mixed with a shoot 'em up. Um, so you point these giant turrets at the screen, and it fires off. And, and you know, this is like, it's like life-size Pac-Man. Also, the same <laughs> thing where it's a giant screen of LEDs, and uh, you basically get to play it on, you know, a three-story. <laughs> Two, maybe it's two or three story high screen. It feels like I think it's only two story, but it's still pretty tall. And uh, man, it, there's some like force feedback, and you really feel it. <laughs> and I don't know, it's like the perfect mix of old school and and new school, and, and it doesn't make me hate myself for playing a ticket redemption game, <laughs> which is usually what happens. And when I bring my kids somewhere, I have to teach them the evils of ticket redemption. Um, you know, it's like kids. They just want your money. They just want your money. <laughs> they want my money. Okay, that's what it is. Uh, that's the problem. Yeah. You guys don't care. When you're older, you will care very, very much. That's right. I really enjoy ticket redemption games. We have a little. I think I've talked about it a few times here. A little. They call it the pizza party. But it's a, a watered down Chuck E. Cheese, and there's a like a football toss game that I got really good at that I always, if my kids aren't getting a lot of tickets, I'll just go over there and beat the high score a few times. <laughs> get a few Oh, tickets. nice. Yeah. There's like three holes. One's like 50 points. One's 30. One's 10, I believe. But then there's these little uh, signs that kind of pop up and you have to knock over. And I just kind of wait for, there's one that comes up that gives you 99 points. And I immediately knock that down. Then I just start like soft tossing everything into the 30 yard. <laughs> I just get up. I just, it was like a little strategy I developed. And I, every time I see one of those in any arcade, I always end up beating a high score just with a little strategy I do. Get a ton so, of tickets. It, it's weird. Okay. So I enjoy ticket redemption games when I don't have to pay uh, <laughs> because I took my kids, uh, it was to main events and, uh, yeah, whoever the the kid's birthday it was, they they gave us a bunch of these these cards for the ticket redemption games, and so I didn't have to pay. So it's it's kind of weird. Some of the thrill of like, am I gonna win a prize? It kind of goes away when you can just constantly keep playing it. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess that's kind of true for most arcade games. Like when you play something in Mame or something, and it's like, oh, wow, there's really not too much to this game. It's just artificial difficulty and then uh you pay more money to you know it's like they just give you cheap deaths uh <laughs> and then you you pop in more quarters <laughs> that's right a little strange huh? <laughs> all right so the next question comes from blake worrell uh, he says jenkin fight rock paper or scissors Ooh. Are we are we talking like uh, Alex Kid here? That's like a major part of that game. I think so. Where you couldn't progress. 
So for me, I would probably say I'm I'm a rock guy. I like to rock out. Yeah. Plus, the game we're playing is all about rocks. That's right. <laughs> Throwing those rocks, knocking people down. Right. I believe there's actually a uh, you know other than Alex Kidd, there's actually a uh, a game. I, I don't know what it came out on. I was just kind of <laughs> looking around, but uh, called Jenkin Battle. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's it's based on you know the rock paper scissors mechanic, and it's got PVP and stuff on it, which I thought was kind of funny. But anyways, my kids and I play a lot of rock paper scissors too. Anyways, Andrew Coed says, what song would you like to hear converted to chip tunes? Why have you not done it yet? <laughs> Ooh, he's, he's definitely putting that in my corner. Um, Man, I think what you're basically asking is, what song would I like to hear a cover of? Uh, so, that's tough. I think there's bands that really lend themselves well to a very melodic clear chiptune sound and for the sega genesis uh you know something that lent itself well to the sega genesis i think of bands like uh soundgarden and alice in chains and you've got stuff like comic zone that does that justice uh but i think it would be cool to have a cover um and and maybe it could be using the, the sounds from comic zone or, you know, if I was doing it, I would just design my own. Um, I, I think that would be cool. Um, there's definitely some, I don't know, there's some lesser known bands that uh, that I grew up with that I love. And uh, it, w- it would be cool to hear a rendition. Um, I don't know, like Operation Ivy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of my favorite ska punk bands before they became Rancid. Well, half the band. The rhythm section, I think. Uh, so that would be cool. Speaking of bass players, it's one of the best bass players you ever hear in your life. Absolutely. <laughs> Freeman. Uh, Tim Freeman, right? <laughs> yep. And uh, I'm actually working on a They Might Be Giants cover on the Sega <laughs> Genesis right now. So funny you mentioned that. It was you and uh, Captain Logan talking a lot about Might Be Giants, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't. And you're I didn't, like, I'm, I'm gonna go. go. No. Yeah, well, I had no clue that they did all the uh, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse music. <laughs> yes, they did. Hilarious. And they did the Malcolm in the Middle theme song. Yeah, and well, I'm, I'm Yardigans. And, and I remember Particle Man from was it like Tiny Tunes or something? Particle yes. Man, Particle. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. <laughs> all right, uh, Josh Dykeman says, "What is the best soundtrack on the Genesis, and why is it for Lightning Force?" In all, <laughs> in all seriousness, it's my understanding that Technosoft designed their own sound software for the Genesis rather than using existing tools. So that's partly why their games have such a distinctive sound. Do you believe it's possible to replicate that sound with Deful Mask? And if so, and someone were to contribute to the Genesis Gems Patreon at that level, would they earn them a donor a Genesis tune? Would you be up to the challenge of creating a Lightning Force S track in the vein of the classic Metal Squad or something similar? It's a very specific question, Aaron. <laughs> hmm. So, I, this is something I can definitely answer. <laughs> so, I don't know if I agree with best, but it's certainly in my top five for the system. Um, Technosoft, just their composers, uh, Yamanishi, Yoshida those people are just amazing composers and uh no one really did the the hard rock hard melodic rock 
uh, in metal better than that game really. To answer your question, uh, yeah, I think they use their own custom driver, uh, and I, I've talked about this before, where a lot of American composers and otherwise use the GEMS system for creating music, which is just because it was an easy enough tool to use, um, and you kind of use what, what, what you got. FM synthesis was a complicated beast. It still is. Uh, and, and some people could write their own drivers and were, um, you know, computer software whizzes and could do that. And then they, their musicians had uh, better sounds and better tools to use. And uh, yeah, Deflamask is a piece of music making software that you can make Sega Genesis music with that will play back on a real system. And absolutely, all of the instruments from thunder force for lightning force have already been ripped all of these samples the drums have already been ripped so uh yeah that's definitely doable um and you know as a patreon is he a patreon subscriber i can't recall. i don't think he is he might be well, unless, unless, he get, unless he, and we'll definitely consider it unless he goes by a different name sorry josh if you are <laughs> we we're, we're it's kind of nice that we have that many now that i can't i can't remember who does what i mean in, until i'm actually paying attention to it i'll just blame nick for everything i need to get you the uh username and password so you can log in and look around i'm just gonna keep feigning ignorance i don't know what patreon <laughs> it. i have well, no idea what is what patreon what is that? I'm, I don't I'm, I'm actually on the site right now i'm supposed to make them for this <laughs> I'm, I'm on here right yeah. now, and the only Josh we have is Joshua Witt. So, if unless okay. he goes by, like I know there's a, I don't, I'm not gonna release names, but there's a very faithful follower of our podcast who goes by NZ17, and that's not his real name, of course. <laughs> so. But he does ask us questions. That's right. Just like Christopher Kellogg did. Christopher asked, "Yes, why does Sega continue to support at games?" <laughs> You know what? I so every night before I go to sleep, I kneel in front of my bed and I pray and I ask. I I ask the lords of Sega, <laughs> why? Why do you continue to support at games why? when when all they do is disappoint? <laughs> why? And uh, they said, "Son, uh, <laughs> no." <laughs> I like where this is going. Keep going. (laughs) No, No, basically, Sega is in the business to make money like any company. And at games happens to have the reach and the proven track record to back it up. And even if they produce kind of subpar like that, what that announcement that uh, Sega Japan is going to release a Sega Genesis mini uh, ad games is going to do it, it's I'm not excited about that really um, but yeah I the reason why Sega teams up with them is because it's a proven track record yeah I didn't get to mention this but Sega not all bad because they are re-releasing Shenmue 1 and 2 uh, on PS4 and Xbox One and PC pretty soon so we didn't mention that on, on Sega snippets but that I'm sure Nick is super happy about it, except for the fact that it's not coming to Switch. And yeah. I can tell you exactly why. Probably because the games would be too big. Maybe. 
I don't know. They're, they're Dreamcast games. I'm like, they fit Skyrim. They fit Skyrim on Switch. Surely they can do shit. Yeah. No. Just saying. I don't know. Come on, Sega. I know you're listening because, you know, we're the Genesis Gems. Switch. Shenmue now. <sighs> Anyways. <laughs> At least they're doing Shenmue 3. I, th- there was an old episode of the Retro Junkies where we were talking about um, it had some questions. And one of the questions, you know, was just. I think it was something like dis- disappointment in, in video game companies, and I went on a tie, it's like a, a huge rant about Shinmu three not happening, and yes, you know, praise the Sega gods above for giving and us. You Shinmu. had to eat crow. Yeah, and I'm so happy because I signed all those stupid petitions I knew weren't real. And <laughs> <laughs> those petitions, great. Don't you miss internet petitions yes, I do. that did absolutely nothing, but they were just cathartic. Okay, yeah, that's right. Guess what we I signed today? Yeah. Guess what I signed for. Our internet hearts all shriveled up and became callous. <laughs> we used to have these things called hearts, and we would pour our passions into internet petitions, okay? That's what we did. We wanted Chinese democracy to come out, and when it finally did, we were sorely disappointed. But that's another story. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> all right. So the next question, I'm sure I'm going to mispronounce his name. I believe it's Michael Tillander. Mikael? I was like, Michael Kelso? Michael Kelso? <laughs> <laughs> and Michael says, when this post turns up in time and is actually visible in my feed, I don't have anything to ask. Why is that? <laughs> Why is that? You know what? Because I think at this point in time, every question has been asked for Ask Aaron. <laughs> I think uh, we've hit the end. No, we've never... I don't think we'll ever run out of questions. I think you guys are very creative and uh, you should all get gold stars. Everyone. Everyone gets a gold star. Gold star. Participation stars. <laughs> this is funny. Uh, Jim Jones asked, that picture, not safe for work maybe? <laughs> Do any of you get any grief from coworkers for your nerdy pastimes? <laughs> Wait, my picture is not safe for work? <laughs> well, I, I had to scroll back up. Like, what's he talking about? And, I don't know. Maybe your hands in a questionable spot. They are left I, blurry hand. I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. I have to let me let me see. Let me scroll down. That's awful. And and look at it again. I <laughs> I just accidentally clicked off of it. Um. I mean, I'm holding a microphone. <laughs> I I don't think there's anything. I mean, if you're looking at that in a certain way, that's that's on you. Come on, friend. Jim Jones. Jim Jones. Jim. I mean, I'm, I'm rocking out next to a Sega Genesis. <laughs> That's all I'm doing. I'm singing my uh, David Bowie cover. And then his other question was, do any of you get any grief from coworkers for your nerdy pastimes? Oh, yeah. Uh, more confusion and general amazement. Like, what do you do again? Yeah. What did you, like, you, you went to where and you did what? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, that's usually what it is. There's there's the people that grew up with video games. And I'm like, oh, okay, I I kind of get where you're coming from. And then, um, there's kind of like the the deeper you go. I, I don't know. It's like, oh, so you talk about video games on a podcast. I can understand. You make music with old video game systems, and then you perform it live somehow. Okay. So yeah, and and nerdy pastimes, I think people by this point, 
have just accepted me for who I am. I, I think that was more of a thing in my 20s where I struggled to just, and especially teen years, where you always kind of wanted to fit in somehow, and, to, and maybe not into the main groups in society, but you wanted to fit in somewhere that felt comfortable. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think Nick gives off this persona as, you know, he's, he's, he's a rock god. Doesn't have time for anybody, but uh, you know he's really a nerd at heart. It kind of amazed me when I first talked to him because I thought he was like this unapproachable oh, Ingve Malmsteen type guy, and yeah. uh, I, I didn't even realize he spoke English um, <laughs> until I talked to him. I just I thought you know when he had the '90s entertainment show, I thought it was just a, a Nick Stevens impersonator, yeah, yeah, as a translator or an interpreter, maybe, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> it, it what's hilarious is like i got this reputation where i work um the company i work at now i, I, I kind of took a year off and went somewhere else and came back to it so i've been at this company for about 12 years and uh back in 2007 i took a day off right in the middle of the week it was like wednesday or thursday i can't remember and uh they asked me why are you taking the day off for and i was like oh halo 3 is coming out <laughs> so, <laughs> so i went to the midnight release and played it all night and all day before I had kids, of course, but so like I had this reputation. Like today, I, I I had to work right through lunch. It was crazy getting some things out, and I said I need to go run an errand. They're like, "What kind of errand do you need to run?" I'm like, I gotta go to the game store and buy this new Switch game. <laughs> so, oh, and then, of course they all start making fun of me. But uh, you know, I have like a Captain America lanyard, and I got little figures on my desk at work. So I'm kind of like the resident nerd. And have you ever noticed that, like, when you have get-togethers? Uh, if, you, if you're at like a brother's house or you're at a friend's house and you immediately notice like the men and the women kind of break up and they break apart. Yeah. And for me, um, I remember situations where all the guys wanted to talk about sports. But every time I went to my brother's house, he and my other brother, uh, or if it was all three of us, we would just talk about nerd stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly. like a big nerd <laughs> conversation. It was great. <laughs> It's the way it should be. <laughs> All right. Got a lot of questions here. Uh, Ian McGarry says, if Snatcher was being made into a movie, who would you cast and who, who would direct? And why would Hathaway be doing the music? What is love? Oh, Hathaway. Man. Uh, you know what? I'd want Hide- Hideo Kojima to be involved somehow. Oh, yeah. And by that notion, since he's already friends with, with Guillermo del Toro, uh, I would probably get him to direct it. I think you would do a fine job. And, hey, maybe a cameo by Harrison Ford because <laughs> that's who uh, Gillian Seed is actually based off of. Um, that that would be pretty swell. But I think, uh, I don't know, who who would be a good stand in there? Um, just get John Krasinski and we're good. There you go. Yeah, he's perfect. <laughs> he's got that brown hair. Love that guy. Got a mess of brown hair. He he could pull it off. I think he'd be great. And then bring back Rutger Hauer. Because uh, he was... You know what? I watched Blade Runner on a plane. <laughs> and I was like, man, this movie is so cool. Like, I don't think I would have appreciated it. Because uh, I didn't watch it until... God, I think I was a teenager or maybe older than that. Like, I don't think I would have appreciated this movie as a kid. It's It's kind of it's very dark very dark and uh they don't go out of their way to explain everything to you <laughs> but man uh Rutger Hauer was 
awesome in that movie. And of course, Harrison Ford. Um, yeah, I don't. You know what? They could bring Sting back because what they would do in uh, in Snatcher is some of the characters were kind of based on the likenesses of actors. So, and and actresses like you had someone who looked like Madonna, you had someone who looked like Rutger Hauer, um, just random Hajil, I, I believe, um, kind of, uh, and then also Sting. The hair was definitely <laughs> Sting um, from Dune. So that's a good question. Uh, speaking of which, I got to see the Super Soul Bros at PAX East on main stage. They were amazing. They actually did one night in Neo Kobe City from Snatcher. And uh, oh, cool. it was one of the best moments of my life. It was amazing. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, like they killed it. And they're that type of band where they can do, you know, any jazz and funk VGM tunes and just totally kill it. So. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Captain Logan asks, Aaron, who is your favorite character in Star Trek? And have you ever played a Star Trek video game you liked? The competition isn't exactly stiff. Captain Logan. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, this is a good question. Good question, man. Um, what's... Whew. Okay, so... My favorite character in Star Trek, I'd have to probably say, I think, Geordi LaForge. <laughs> and I, I just really like... Wasn't he on Reading Rainbow? <laughs> yes. Yes, he was. LeVar Burton. Yep. Uh, and I don't know. For me, he just... I liked his general attitude and his... Uh, at least out of the Next Generation characters, he, he was my favorite. Um I liked how he was kind of, he was very smart, but he wasn't uh, standoffish. He was probably the most personable person on the cast um, and kind of tried to be friends with everybody and was just a cool guy and, and you know, overcoming limitations with his, with his visor and uh, trying to find love, you know, it's one of the few characters that was like, poor guy, like he was always getting, you know, fallen in love with a computer simulation uh, and then finding out later, spoiler, that, that she, you know, was actually married. And <laughs> I felt for the guy. I really did. Yeah. Uh, I thought he was just such a cool character. Um, besides that, you know, uh, I, I think Sulu from uh, the original Star yeah. Trek, you know, with, with his kung fu grip. And then <laughs> Deep Space Nine is probably Deep Space Nine is my favorite Star Trek of any of the Star Treks. And uh I think Cisco, the main character, uh, was just amazing. I thought he was awesome. Uh, he took his character kind of took Star Trek to darker places. And uh, if you ever watched the episode in the pale moonlight, just <laughs> oh, it's that character and uh, Gareth. I think it's I think it's Gareth. Uh, I'm trying to remember. He's uh, Garrick. That's it. It's Garrick. So I keep thinking Garrus from Mass Effect. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm thinking Garrus and all this, uh, or Joseph Garrus. Uh, so one of our shout patriots. out, Joe. Uh, yeah, so Garrick. It's another character in Deep Space Nine who I just love because Garrick 
everything he says has a double meaning. And he used to be a spy for the uh, Cardassians, not the Kardashians, the Cardassians, <laughs> who uh, were basically like the space Russians or the space Nazis, whatever you want to call them. They're the oppressors in the Star Trek universe. And um, he's a, a double agent, and you don't know what side he's playing, but um, he ends up on the space station on Deep Space Nine, and he's a fascinating character because they kind of play him as a fool and a simple tailor, and then you realize like he's a trained assassin and he's a, uh, a very cunning killer, and uh, he's got some amazing one-liners. And he's played by the same guy who was the dad in Hellraiser. And some of the faces he makes and just he's just a phenomenal actor. I don't I don't know how to uh, how else to put it. So I hope that answers your first part of your question. The second part of your question is go play Starflight on Sega Genesis. (laughs) It's not Star Trek by name, but it is amazing. I'd also recommend Star Trek, Star Trek 25th anniversary, the game. Um, if you can play that, uh, the PC version especially, or I think it's on Amiga, they basically got the original cast of the original show together, um, reunited as many of them as they could, and wrote new scripts for the game. And I liked it as a kid, and I like it now. There's also, most recently, Star Trek Bridge Simulator, which I've heard really good things about, and it used to be a VR-only game, and now you can play it without VR. So if you get a chance, check that one out. <laughs> I think you've dropped Starflight at least once an episode, right? I, You know what? I have to. <laughs> it's like the mic drop for every episode. <laughs> By the way, Starflight rules. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So Paul Solo has two questions. Shouldn't that be Paul Duo? Oh, sorry. Sorry, Paul. <laughs> Paul Solo says, uh, first question, Aaron, when you eat chicken wings, do you prefer the drums or the flats? Hmm. What are the, f- wait, the flats? Yeah, so the, the Are fl- we talking about the, uh, they're, they're kind of shaped differently than the, the drums, yeah, right? And, and, they're, they're actually like more wing shaped, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, honestly, uh, just give me bone out like that's oh <laughs> you I know like what give give me the give me the chicken wings but without the bones uh and, and i'll be happy no um i'm usually more of a drum guy to be honest okay um because I, I like percussion i like drumming and <laughs> um, chicken drums are great and, and if you're a vegan or a vegetarian i apologize profusely. <laughs> well this this is funny real quick i went out to lunch with a couple guys and we went to uh buffalo wild wings and for the first time, I didn't know you could even do this. Uh, the guy I work with, he said, you know, I want the mild wings, but I want those all flats. I'm like, you can do that? Because <laughs> I prefer the flats, too. <laughs> you're breaking the system. I, I'm not sure if that's like a rude thing to ask for or not, but I'm, I'm doing that from now on. I'm asking for just flats. <laughs> and every other time I go there, it's horrible service. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Buffalo. It's like all we have around here as far as chains go for a place like that. So it's fun to go there and watch a ball game and stuff. But. I like their habanero wings but the mango, or I mango get it in salad or something but yeah. It, yeah 
they get good raps too if you like that kind of stuff but anyways yeah. <laughs> ball solo second question says aaron if a train is traveling 100 miles an hour and a motor vehicle traveling 80 miles an hour at a 45 degree angle towards the train happens to hit the train head on at what speed is the impact actually felt um african or european uh he didn't say <laughs> can't, answer then I question. can't answer it <laughs> <laughs> okay that's great. Which I think the original question is, what is the average? Uh, and someone might have asked this question on an earlier Ask Aaron. I can't remember. But what is the average flight speed of an unladen swallow? <laughs> but, yeah, uh, I can't answer a question like that on the fly without a cheeky answer. I apologize, Paul. <laughs> All right. Next question from Ken Kazimal says, why was Toys R Us destroyed? Will we ever see a place as big as full? Of, it was, will we ever see a place as big full of toys? Where do we get all of our toys from now? Are you upset it's gone? I am upset it's gone. Um, but I think a lot of us have moved away from retailers and having to uh, have our kids drag us around <laughs> these big <pig> box <laughs> stores and feel trapped under the weight of, of the toy gods. Um, I, I remember them being amazing when I was a kid. Um, but a lot of people just don't go to toy stores as much. And yeah, there's, there's the people that still collect toys and for their favorite franchises and things. Uh, and, and I think it died out because big box stores are disappearing and most people are going to places like Amazon to fulfill their toy needs without waiting in lines, um, or, you know, dealing with retail, a lot of people just don't like retail in general. Do I think it's going to come back? Um, if KB Toys is coming back, there's a possibility. So I don't. I would not not count Toys R Us out for good. Uh, who knows what iteration will come back? I hope it's not like, oh, we're going to bring it back just mobile only, <laughs> or you know, it's only it's only going to be an online presence. I I, I really hope not, because uh, I do have nostalgia for Toys R Us. I I along with everyone else, I think, uh, who went there as a kid, I loved being able to pick up those, uh, you know, you'd, you'd pick up that piece of paper <laughs> yeah. and then you'd go take it up and, uh, they, they'd give you the game and I don't know, <laughs> or you'd get some Jeffrey bucks, some Jeffrey dollars <laughs> Jeffrey bucks, yeah. and, uh, or you demo the newest games. I remember that was one of the few places I got to play a TurboGrafx 16. Um, so as a kid, yeah, so definitely, or, you know, Sega Genesis games. I remember playing Vector Man for the first time out of Toys R Us. Very vivid memory of playing that game and just being blown away. Um, no spoilers for an upcoming show or anything. Yeah, exactly. Looking that way. Now, uh, I, actually, I actually went to Toys R Us on Saturday, this past Saturday, because they're doing having a big out-of-business sale, but it's not very cheap yet. There's, so. Yeah, there's nothing good left. No, they picked over. All the video games are pretty much gone, and then all the toys are only like 10% off, so there's still a ton of crap there. But um, Yeah, I'm going to miss it. I, we loved our Toys R Us. I actually went there every Christmas for the past three or four years to get the kids' presents. If you spent like $100, you get like $25 gift cards and stuff. But uh, anyways, yeah, so Sean Robinson asks... Oh, he says first, okay, sadness, my questions disappeared. But right underneath that post, I see questions. <laughs> so Sean Robinson asks, number one, could you ever go digital only and abandon your physical copies of games, both new and old? Ooh, uh, that's a good question. And I think in some cases, yes. 
but I think I still have a certain nostalgia um, for having physical physical cartridges, but it's becoming, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> it's becoming easier all the time, especially since I have to move in a few weeks, and I'm kind of glad I don't have the giant video game yeah. collection I had in all of my previous moves, <laughs> uh, or some of my previous moves where it felt like, you know, I had like five boxes just for those games, and just i don't know it's just like a huge weight like literally <laughs> um so yeah part of me doesn't mind just going digital for certain things but i don't know like for me um having had a, a stake in video games now with some of my music ending up in video games like i went out of my way to get a physical copy of metronomicon metronomicon on the ps4 um, with limited run games because I was a part of that and sometimes you want something tangible and I'm afraid that that's going to disappear we already have things like the app store and we have marketplaces like Steam um, where it is all digital and you know you you miss out on cool things like uh, back in the early 90s it used to be all about you know how big can we make the box on the shelf right <laughs> yeah and what kind of crazy shapes, trapezoids and tetrahedrons and, you know, like the, the Tomb Raider box. I remember just <laughs> coming in a goofy box and everything had to be bigger and larger. And we're going to pack in more crap in the, you know, you, you get a copy of Monkey Island and it comes with like all sorts of doodads and things uh, that you get just for buying the game. And, and you still have that sometimes where you'll get like a special edition release and it's like, Oh, you get a, what was it? Resident Evil 4. I think it was, there was a special chainsaw edition. Yeah. <laughs> Where it was like the a chainsaw controller. There, there's some crazy that stuff Wii, that still it? happens. Yeah. Um, but returning to your original question. Um, yeah, I, with the Vita, for the most part, when I had my Vita, it was almost exclusively an online digital platform for me. Yeah. I had one, maybe two games that were physical release. And it just made more sense to buy the rest of the games off the store. Um, it's just, it was just a lot more convenient than putting... I mean, with portable systems especially, and I'm sure this is true for you too, uh, with the Switch, you would much rather have stuff installed or downloaded than to mess with these tiny, losable carts or cards. Uh, I still weirdly collect all those little cards. <laughs> but like, you'd hate to lose them, and it's. I it's would hate to of, lose them. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. So it kind of goes both ways, I think. And I take a big risk, you know. I I carry most of my games in these little carrying cases that fit into my uh, portable Switch case. So that's even a bigger <laughs> fear. If I lose one of those, I just lost six games. You know. <sighs> Yeah. You know what would be great, Nick? I think uh, unrelated here. I think it would be great if we finish this segment, and then like we only spend five minutes on Dark Castle, <laughs> which is about how long it take us. Because like, we're already game. like an hour and fifteen <laughs> minutes or ten minutes or I so. Know. I think our small talk at the beginning <laughs> took up some time. Oh, it happens. It's, yeah, it's I, fun. Hopefully, the listeners aren't uh, too nah. mad at us. I hope you guys. Nah, there's only a few. Us. There's only a few more questions here. Um. Sean's second part, um, 
it's kind of a long question. I had a lot of posts underneath of it, but I'll kind of read the gist of it. Uh, have you watched Game Center CX? It's a TV show about a comedian playing difficult old video games. Some of his challenges have included Alex Kidd, Alter Beasts, uh, etc. Uh, it's a remarkable how many times he dies attempting to complete the games. They even released his Sega challenges on DVD. My, mo- my mother bought their Retro Game Master DVD box set for me as a Christmas present about a year and a half ago. And many years ago, I bought Retro Game Challenge for Nintendo DS. These are all part of the same media empire. You should watch them play them. So he posted a link. Uh, if you guys want to see that, look at the Ask Aaron question. There's a link to the uh, uh, show here. So, And him and Chris Vanderhoff had a little conversation there. So, Aaron, have you heard of that before? Is that something uh, Yeah. And I think it was Kotaku who actually did their own translation um, of the first season. And we're putting it out. And I, I think all of them have been kind of fan translated now. But yeah, I absolutely have watched them. They're hilarious because he's really not a gamer. And so he has to kind of employ the help of uh, other people. And I do recall there was a, a DS game that uh, kind of used, you know, kind of fake video games, basically. They were designed around this concept and uh, kind of a collection of these games. Um sort of loosely based on these concepts and yeah it's fascinating he also covers some japanese games that were popular over there but never came out over here um that are like very esoteric and impossible to parse without a manual um so there's one i think it's called atlantis there's an nes game uh that was going to be released as a sequel to super pitfall at one point it was going to be super pitfall 2 and uh yeah he covered that game and it it was insane just like how obtuse and obscure they made the solutions to, to levels and uh you remember earlier games where it was like, oh, you're going to end up at point 24 on the map. And <laughs> or, you know, there's like different map locations like in Goonies 2 on NES where it's like the map made no sense. Yeah. And it would literally fling you from one side of the map to the other just based on what room you exited. That's crazy stuff. But yes, I do know Game Center CX and I think it's a great series. Cool. Uh, looks like next few questions are just kind of goofy, which we like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Daniel Walker says, Aaron, why do fools fall in love? Um, I know why fools rush in, but, um, <laughs> why do fools fall in love? Um, cause you know what? I think, I think everyone, I think the whole world could use a bit of love, right? Yeah. Yeah. Even fools, smart people, <laughs> fools, uh, the just and the unjust. So. I think we all deserve a little love. Everyone does. <laughs> all right. Uh, Paul Solo, ask again. Aaron, how much wood would a wood... <laughs> I can't even say it. How much wood could oh, a woodchuck... Oh, I know we've had this question before. Chuck, 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 uh, so how much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? There you go. Nailed it. Uh, woodchuck could chuck wood if uh, he had enough wood to, to chuck. So There you go. Nailed it. Uh, Chris Vanderhoff says, What Genesis game should Hathaway's What Is Love be on? Which game would be best suited for that tune? I believe that already happened, right? Isn't that that rock, already rock happened, and roll yeah. We haven't covered the game yet, but it's Combat Cars. Oh, Combat Cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew it was one of Which those. literally, it's almost note for note, that yep. chord progression. Let's go check that out. It's one of those nice uh, accolade games, right? 
Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a racing game yeah. with some... It moves pretty fast. It's like a little skittery, though. So <laughs> it's fun, but it's it's tough. <laughs> All right. Last question on the Ask Aaron segment it comes from Gabe Van Gilder. He says, Aaron, how come I see Crossfire more now since someone made the Ask Aaron <laughs> Crossfire connection? Laugh out loud. I've wondered that, too. I wonder <laughs> if it's, it's coincidence, which it totally probably is. Um, or if uh, someone at Hasbro, whoever owns the rights now, is taking notice. Yeah, it's it's, it's trending. You know, after people listen, it is it. it is actually trending because someone actually had a Crossfire tournament. Oh, that's uh, awesome! And they mentioned it on Kotaku, so it, it is the thing that happens. <laughs> you're you're welcome, Crossfire. You're you're, welcome. you're very welcome. You're welcome. All right, so that's Ask Aaron. So. Send all proceeds to Ask Aaron. That's right, all of them. Alright, so with that, let's get right into this, Aaron. Hey, game on, man. Game on. Game on! Yeah, game on! Sega! Alright, Dark Castle for the Sega Genesis. Dark um, Castle. Dark Castle. Most metal name ever. <laughs> There's a band called Dark Castle. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, memories, uh, I don't have a lot. I p- tried playing it a long time ago because it kind of looked like, hey, this could be like a Castlevania game. Definitely wasn't Castlevania. Boy, and, were you mistaken. Oh, badly. And then I think the only other memory I really have of it, other than trying to get through it a few times, was uh, watching it on the Angry Video Game Nerd, which I think everyone probably relates to That's that. for most people. Because I, I believe he stated that it's the worst Sega Genesis game he's ever played. I think that's what he said on that episode. Oh, he's so. sorely mistaken. <laughs> yeah. All I gotta say. Did he play Slaughter Sport yet, or... Or heavy uh, or, or beast wrestler, beast wrestler. Or, <laughs> I had such I mean or beast wrestler. last battle <laughs> oh yeah Chester Cheetah's too cool to fool <laughs> but uh yeah did you play this game at all before the show or uh yeah so I played it um more so I played it in emulation on the Dreamcast I want to say it okay. was when I would kind of just play through all the Sega Genesis games that I could kind of get a feel for them uh so this would have been somewhere in the early 2000s i kind of like when i played a lot a lot like when i played spelunker for the first time <laughs> i just had no idea what i was doing um and it just felt like the controls were actively fighting against me and trying to strangle my will to live <laughs> so no that that's one of my earliest memories and then um it was before the Angry Video Game Nerd review, but there's a website called Tig Source, which is a bit less active now, but it used to be the, like, the main website I'd go to where they would talk about um, indie games. And lo and behold, this was way back in... Whew, yeah, this was way back in, well, 2008 now. I remember being fascinated by uh, this game called Return to Dark Castle. I'm like, huh, <laughs> well, what was the original Dark Castle? And that led me to research it and find out, hey, it was a kind of a classic game on the original Mac, the black and white Macintosh computer from 1984. And I don't know if you want me to launch into that now, but uh, yeah, so... Return to Dark Castle is it's kind of like Duke Nukem Forever in that it took forever <laughs> to come out but it was originally planned as a sequel to the original Dark Castle it's going to be the second sequel it's going to come out uh, 
in like 1996, and it didn't come out until 2008, and only for Mac OS. Um, but yeah, that's how I heard about Dark Castle, uh, or that I kind of reconnected with it after playing it on Dreamcast, I want to say. Um, but I never saw it. We never rented it. I should have asked my brother, uh, my brothers, if they ever played Dark Castle growing up, because I don't think it was even super popular on the Sega Genesis. But if you had a Macintosh computer in the 80s, everybody had Dark Castle. It was kind of one of those things when it came out in 1986. Hmm. It was one of the killer apps <laughs> of uh, the Mac computer, because... The, the way the Mac computer worked, uh, so it came out in 1984. It was the first commercially available PC or computer with, uh, or at least widely adopted, with, with a GUI interface, right? Mm-hmm. And a mouse interface. And, and at that point, developers were trying to take advantage of that and uh, make games based around that concept. It kind of reminds me of, like, you think of the PlayStation, you think when Ape Escape came out, right? How it was kind of revolutionary that you'd have this game that came out where you controlled the whole game using your thumbsticks. (laughs) So think about that, but take it back to the 80s when it's like everyone's used to using a joystick or using just a... Uh, you know, buttons on uh, on, on a keypad uh, on a keyboard. What made Dark Castle different? And um, there, there was a game that this developer developed before that. What made it unique is that you could run around, but then you also had. Um, you, you, I think it was like the first game that used WASD, or at least one of the first <laughs> ones for your for your movement. And then space to jump, and then you use the mouse to actually aim, and it's pretty precise. Uh, it was kind of amazing. I was playing the original version, and yeah, it's uh, that's how you throw rocks in the game using your mouse. Uh, you kind of aim it up and down, and uh, it's pretty interesting. I know I kind of jumped around here, nah. but in, in a, some form or fashion, uh, th- this is how I experienced Dark Castle was. And, What's Dreamcast and then all this other stuff. <laughs> cool. I tried playing that. Uh, you sent me a link there to play the old the old version. It just it didn't quite work so well. I don't know if it was. No, my... I re- what I realized was what I sent you. Um, playing it in uh, trying to play Dark Castle on the Mac in in a browser. Apparently, it's a little laggy. Um, I hit every button so, on my keyboard trying to figure out what I was doing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, here's the thing. It actually tells you when you're um, in the game, bless your soul, uh, it actually <laughs> does tell you what the controls are. And guess what? In the original game, I've got it pulled up right now. In the original game, you can go to the options and you can remap. I think. Yeah, you can remap every single control that you want. Well, that's cool. I probably yeah. should have spent a little bit more time with it. I kind of quit and just started playing the Genesis version. Oh, yeah. No, in <laughs> some ways, the original game is actually harder uh, than wow. the Genesis version, but for for different reasons is what I'll say. I, I splurged. I don't know why. Like I actually got the complete in-box copy, which is a little comp- expensive. What was really cool, Aaron, it came, yeah. with, it came with everything. So not only did I get the manual in a box, 
I even got like a little flyer in here that says uh, the following correct the, the following corrects information stated in the products. Apparently, there was a mistake in the manual, and it says 360. 360 creators of Dark Castle is a designer, developer, and publisher of entertainment software, and sells this product exclusively through Electronic Arts Worldwide. Established in 1987, 360 has its has to its credit other hits such as Harpoon, Arm Rally, and Mega Fortress. So it's got some copyright changes in there, which is kind of cool. And then it also came with a really awesome poster, which I love getting posters. Um, I may frame this one, but it's a uh, Electronic Arts poster for the Sega Genesis, and it uh, features uh, like a, a NHL hockey and John Madden football, Blockout, Marble Madness, Road Rash, Interceptor 2, Fatal Rewind, Shadow of the Beast, uh, Budokan, the Martial Spirit, James Pond, Underwater Agent, Battle Squadron, Fairy Tale, King's ba- Bounty, The Conqueror's Quest, Sword of Sedan, however you say that, Sodan, Might and Magic, Gates to Another World, The Immortal, and Starflight. So I actually got a poster that has all that. At the bottom of it, it says uh, Electronic Hints uh, Hotline 1-900-228-HINT. It's a very cool poster. I was kind of, you don't see that a lot with the game still intact, so I got a very nice copy of this game. Um, you can tell it hadn't been played much because the plastic still smelt new. Uh, the, <laughs> the, the, car- the cartridge itself didn't even have a single scratch on it, so... Uh, lucked out there. I paid about $21 for it total after shipping, which the uh, average price for this complete box is $23.75, Whoops. And it was released in 91, <laughs> developed and published by Silicon Beach Software, uh, published by Electronic Arts, and it was composed of the sounds by Artec Digital Pro- Productions. I forgot all that. <laughs> yeah. Um, in, I, I kind of want to go back to the, the credits for the original game, too, um, because it was originally developed by Silicon Beach Software, yeah. um, who, up to that point, what they had made a few other games um, for the Macintosh computer. They were a Mac developer. And they also developed a game called Enchanted Scepters, which was, I think, one of the earliest examples of a point-and-click game, like a point-and-click adventure game. Um, and I think it was also famous for the first Mac game and one of the first games around that time on home computers to have digitized sound. First game on the Macintosh, at least. So that was a very novel thing around that time to have these digital samples. And... Uh, in the credits here, we've got Jonathan Gay, the programmer, um, who would later become famous for developing Flash. Yes, <laughs> he's the main programmer <laughs> behind uh, the thing that's been used on millions of computers. Uh, design and graphics by Mark Stephen Pierce. Real sound by Eric Zoker. Um, so he's the guy who's designed the... Uh, the reason why you actually get to hear the the voice synthesis and then the actual guy doing all the goofy sound effects uh, with his mouth i assume <laughs> uh is dick noel and uh yeah th- those are the the main credits and i actually have the original story like the game itself when you pull it up they took this out of the sega genesis version but it gives you the story of the game when you start it up and like a high score table and everything you have it so, ready, to, ready to read yeah i okay, can cool. read it right now and it's different from the sega genesis version slightly um so it says about dark castle now you've done it did you really have to volunteer to go in after the black knight 
<laughs> you know what happened to the last warrior who did? Well, in your quest, you'll quickly discover that Dark Castle has four areas called Trouble, Fireball, Shield, and Black Knight. From the Great Hall, which is where you start, you enter these areas by choosing one of the four doors. Pressing a key from one to four chooses a door. The one and two doors randomly choose the Trouble or Fireball areas. The three key chooses the Black Knight Chambers, and the four key sends you on your way to the Shield Room. So in the Sega Genesis version, you obviously don't have a one through four key, so you just uh, pick what room you want to enter by using your D-pad. Uh, beware, the castle is infested with plague-ridden bats and rats. Oh, yes, lots of those. Uh, their bites <laughs> usually mean instant death. If you manage to reach the Black Knight, he can be defeated by toppling his throne. Almost certain failure awaits you if you enter his chambers without the fireball shield and lots of rocks and elixir. And this <laughs> is very true. I've seen someone do it without that. Uh, yeah. But it is very, very tricky. Um, so if you want, I can continue on here because this is mostly going to be. Yeah, and I, and, I, and I have some some of the Genesis information ready, so I'll follow up with that whenever you're. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Oh, you want me to do it now? Uh, or I can. Uh, this yeah, yeah, you, is you, actually you, you almost done. Uh, let's see here. What's cool is in this in-game manual, it also gives you point totals. It's cool. It tells you like what creatures give you how much points. Okay, so little is known about all the pitfalls that await you, hardy adventurers. So you will have to rely on your quick wits and fast reactions to stay alive. The folks in the village have heard many rumors, though. The wizard was once seen hurling fireballs. Could he be the secret to obtaining them? The peasants whisper of a magical shield that can render the owner invisible to dangerous objects for a short time. And they talk of rumors that the wizard once concocted a batch of magic elixir, which contains an antidote to the plague caused by the many rats and bats in the castle. So, yes, there are plenty of elixirs to pick up. And what's interesting is in the sequel, Beyond Dark Castle... Uh, the main character and the wizard are actually named. Um, so the main character is Duncan. <laughs> and then the wizard is actually called Merlin in the second game. It's kind of a retcon there. Yeah. A year ago, a wandering minstrel sang about a brave warrior who battled the Black Knight with only the rocks he had brought into his little <laughs> bags. He failed, though he did find that there is a key at the bottom of the dungeon that will unlock the door back into the Great Hall. Um, the keyboard is used to control I'll skip that blah 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 uh, the part I wanted to mention though that uh, is, is jumping uh, and, and what's cool is they give you a little diagram uh, of how jumping works in this game because it says uh, <laughs> to jump you use a space bar or in the Sega Genesis version you use the A button so you use the A button to jump like a, a standard standing jump um, to go far, jump while running. To go as high as possible, use your standard jump. For a dan a downward jump, which, yeah, three different jumps in this game, a downward <laughs> jump is is down and the A button. For about 99% of the people playing this game for the first time, they probably didn't realize that because they're playing the Sega Genesis version without a manual, and they're probably just falling all over the place. Yep. <laughs> And let me see, there's, uh, yeah, the rest of it kind of details how mouse movements work. Um, and let's see here. You, so there's a whole thing about bonuses. So you get a bonus for completing a room quickly. 
The bonus timer starts counting down to zero when you enter a room. You get the points remaining on the timer when you leave the room. Starting values, uh, beginner 2,000, intermediate 3,000, advanced 4,000. Um, and yeah, that pretty much applies to the Sega Genesis version, if I recall. They just changed the names of the difficulties to easy, medium, hard. Um, so it's a very arcadey action puzzler type game. Um, kind of reminding me on the surface level, there's a little bit of Donkey Kong uh, with, with the ladders and the platforms. Um, and then, especially once you get to the Black Knight, uh, the Black Knight boss in this game totally reminds me of when you face off against Donkey Kong in, in, in the original yeah. Donkey Kong game because you have to, you basically pull these levers to make him fall down the center of the screen just like Donkey Kong. So that was the end of the instructions uh, for the game. Cool. And that and I have uh, the actual Sega Genesis box here, which I don't think yeah. you, you didn't uh, read from the back of it, which is pretty hilarious. I did not. Well, like uh, I I pulled up the PDF, but uh, I actually how I played this game was uh, just I played it on my EverDrive. <laughs> I got you. I got you. So the 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 box art, of course, has got your typical EA look, um, kind of like a little grid on the side of a smaller picture of a gargoyle, and then um, it's purple and black. And of course, it says Dark Castle, so it's not the not the most informative thing from the front of it, but on the back of it uh, has a little description here. It's dark, it's dangerous, it's downright devious. You've got smarts, a buff bod, and a pocket full of rocks. Now <laughs> climb the ramparts of Dark Castle and dethrone the Black Knight. Hosts of nasty creatures protect him. Dispatch these lackeys, or the Black Knight will eat your lunch. Which is hilarious. And in the manual itself, there's no story, but I, I love this. I've never... There's actually a little uh, page in the manual. It's on page two. And uh, it's actually talking about the manual itself. <laughs> this is what it says. Beware this brimming tomb, for it brims with information. Spewing forth the most informative information available to the naked eye. Be not afraid, underlings, for I, the great and renowned... Beulah of Dark Castle will guide you through the following informative information. For fun, adventure, and information, stifle thine upper lip against the cold wind at your back and read on. <laughs> I've never heard of an introduction like a manual like that. Yeah, so. uh, Beulah never comes up again. <laughs> Neither does Saddam, but that's another story. Oh my gosh. So the manual itself has a little bit of information on how to play the game. Uh, it does show you uh, how to start uh, in the Great Hall. Um, it also points out um, which doors go where, like you got Guaranteed Trouble, and the Fireball Warehouse, the Maze to the Shield, uh, and some things like that. It kind of goes over um, each one of those rooms and what you're what you're going to be doing there. So, a very small manual, but it kind of gives you an idea. I when I first fired up the game, um, I didn't know what in the world to do, and I, I watched some walkthroughs of the game, which I'm sure you've seen the one. I think you mentioned it of the guy who goes straight to the uh, Black Knight and just beats him. Um, your your method, Aaron, which I, I saw other people do, and it's the only way I I actually beat the game as well, was getting the shield first and then yeah. going and don't even worry about the fireball or anything. Skip the first two rooms yep. if, if you can. Um, I mean, the fireball is cool if you want to knock out that an annoying gargoyle <laughs> in the Black Knight rooms, but the shield works just as well. It's just it makes you um, invisible or invulnerable, whichever yeah. you want to call it. And it's, and it's the same thing. It, it, the only trouble I had with the, getting the shield, of course, you got to go through what is it? Four levels. Uh, shield four is the fourth level. Yeah. Um, 
I, I had trouble with the dragon area, but then I watched, I, I went and watched a, a playthrough and I'm like, oh, I can just run really quick and kind of jump yeah. over the dragon. Cause I that's, thought I, I, I thought I had to go figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, and you can do that in the original also where you can just cool. run super quick. And, I, uh, if you jump, you kind of get across the stage too. Not the up jump, but the right jump. But, um, you, I kept going to the top level of that and not knowing. And that's one of the things you heard the angry video game nerd kind of get onto it. You really don't have an indication of where the next level is. You just kind of have to no, walk into the wall. No, you have to learn it. And and that was kind of a, um, a a thing from a bygone era, which was they really wanted you to, to explore the game and figure things out for yourself. Yeah, so and I definitely feel like there was a kind of adventure game type influence in this. Not, you know, not point and click, not going around asking questions, but more of a let's explore more than just hit right yeah like stuff. the um it, a- absolutely where it's like uh you explore different rooms it, the single screen puzzle platformer where you explore different rooms and interact with objects and figure out what things do um and one of the earlier examples i can think of that was like this was like an impossible mission on commodore 64 or on the ZX Spectrum, especially in the UK, people would know Jet Set Willy and Manic Miner, where you explore different rooms and usually have to collect some sort of object. And those games, I feel, were even harder than this game. So, <laughs> uh, but that's another story. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, and of course, if you fall down any of the gaps on um, some of the stages, you go into what they yeah, call any trouble. Gap or, uh, <laughs> trouble three, pitfall. I think. You end up in trouble three. Yeah, where you have uh, a half-naked executioner with a whip. <laughs> you yes. gotta, you can pick up a mace, and, and for some reason, when you grab the mace, you only can slow step, which is kind of odd. And you bash the guy in the head. Pick up a couple keys for some rooms later. Oh, you only want to pick up. Yeah, you want to make sure you pick up the correct key. And it took me several tries to finally figure out that the guys hanging on the wall, um, being whipped. Actually, it's, it's kind of funny. Uh, in in the same this game's twisted sort of way uh they actually shake their head no if you're about to pick up the wrong key and if you pick up the wrong key then a one ton weight falls on your head that's right okay that's why that happened what i tried picking up a key and that happened and i just thought nah i'm not gonna mess with it random i'm just yeah because there there is a (laughs) randomness in this game every time you play it or until you reset it and that's one of the things like the the platforms and stuff yeah, yeah, if you get stuck in uh, the whole trouble thing, um, you know, you'll, you'll run through and then uh, you can go get the key and then you've got to make your way out of the, the trouble rooms. What's interesting, too, is this first set of rooms labeled trouble, um, they change the design um, of the rooms in the Sega Genesis version. Um, for one thing... I think in the original Mac version, like the first room is obviously indoors, and then they made it outdoors in this port. And then one of the pathways, like in Trouble 2, you actually, in the original game, you start at the top, and that's where you do like the, uh, you know, you have to do the, the vine swings, basically, which are pretty difficult to master. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I have finally mastered it. Um, there's kind of a trick to it. But yeah, that that took some time to figure out, um, and and then yeah, you're you're in this room with the uh, executioner or the the whip master. Yeah, of and uh, it's kind of, and you might not know this at first to 
they they made the controls a little harder between this and the original Mac version where it used to be like, oh, you can just hit a button to interact with an object. Now you kind of have to hit down, down and, B. and B. Even if it's above you, you're hitting down Even and if B. it's above you. <laughs> so some things are just not very intuitive. And part of it is trying to adapt a game that was obviously meant for computer controls and adapt it directly to yeah. a console. Yeah, and then, you know, you, you mentioned the rock throwing on the computer used by a mouse. Well, in this, like like we already talked about, holding up and holding down kind of rotates your arm. And wherever you leave that, like if you rotate it to, to throw a rock straight up and you walk to the next level, the next time you throw a rock, you're still stuck at that straight up area. It yeah. doesn't reset or anything like that. So you almost have to kind of figure out, okay, where's my arm at <laughs> before you... Yeah, where's my arm and why is it still stuck in the air like a dum-dum? Yeah. And, um, and, and I love but, how I love how you mentioned you know some of the stages being like Donkey Kong. I was thinking about throwing rocks up to the sky. Um, I believe it's <laughs> is it Shield Two where the dragon is. It almost reminds me of like Space Invaders and Galaga. The way those yeah, bat, the bats yeah, there's are lined kind up. of an homage to, to yeah, that. How they're cool. kind of lined up in rows, and I can see that. Where, I like that. Yeah, I, I I like that idea. I like that every room is kind of unique in this game, and there's something new to figure out or a little puzzle or something. Um. Where they kind of go overboard with is, of course, uh, the fact that all the enemies, they make this game a race against time because all the enemies respawn, and they respawn even faster the higher difficulties you go, and there's more enemies. Uh, And it's even crazier in the original game, like, doing that strategy that we talked about, going to the shield rooms, um, there's one room in the original game where you get to the room, and there's, I kid you not, there's like 30 rats at the top of the screen dropping down the ropes and you you can move between ropes a lot faster in the original game so it's kind of like you're moving between the ropes really fast uh, trying to dodge them because you can't you know you don't have enough rocks to knock them all out yeah um and and, and i can see why they changed that in this version just because uh, for one the resolution the resolution isn't as good isn't that crazy a 1986 <laughs> game has higher resolution um and it runs a little bit slower, I noticed. Huh. Uh, just a tad bit slower than, than the Macintosh version. It had a little bit of a... Uh, I especially noticed that with things like the uh, the ropes. The ropes swing faster. Okay. Um, and generally seems just a tad bit faster in the original game. Gotcha. And then there's weird things that happen... Has this ever happened to you? I got to the the final Black Knight room where the Black Knight's, you know, drinking mugs of <laughs> beer, I guess, them down. Yeah. and and throwing them at you, uh, chucking them at you across the room. <laughs> um, have you ever gone to like flip a lever and then the game gives you a mace? No, and you're I never, stuck. Never yeah, uh, I'm I'm stuck with the mace until something kills me oh, in that awesome. area. Uh, it was just totally bizarre. Of course, you can't, really, you, bug, you can't kill anything with a mace other than the... No, no, yeah. you really can't. Uh, and another thing that happened was uh, I was in the tower room with, where the lightning is, yeah. where it's supposed to strike you. And uh, I jumped over to a platform, uh, and I ended up hitting the wall, but I got stuck on the wall. And so I was stuck there until something knocked me over. Huh. Uh, another thing I want to mention too was it reminded me of Spelunker a lot in that the game 
punishes you for not paying attention to your surroundings to the yeah. utmost degree. You're not kidding. Like the fact that you would never know, it, and the game makes you feel so stupid because there's areas where you would think that you can just walk forward and you trip over a landing. <laughs> yeah, you can you bar- you barely, you barely see it. You barely see it. Barely see that pixel, and you trip over. You know, you you knock out the executioner. And you walk forward yep. and your character trips. Like, I think the animations in this game are pretty funny and goofy. Yeah. And especially in 86, I think that would have been pretty novel. Um, but by 91, like, we were seeing stuff like Sonic the Hedgehog, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, him, him rolling down the stairs isn't quite a spin dash, you know? <laughs> no, but it's still pretty hilarious. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's not hilarious when it keeps happening, though. It, it, and what's funny is. I don't think it happens to me so much anymore. It's only like if I make a bad jump and I land on the stairs, uh, like in the Black Knight area, that that has happened to me. Yeah. But I typically just avoid the trouble area when I can, since it doesn't. The only reason you'd want to go in there is to increase your score, really, or to get out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that wasn't quite why I was playing the game. I. I did all I could to beat it one time, and I was kind of done with it, to be honest with you. But I did beat it. I was kind of happy about that. But, you did, yeah, yeah. You did beat it. And uh, for me, I, I don't know, there's a strange addictive quality to this. That's the same thing I have for, like, uh, Spelunker. Silver Surfer. Uh, Silver Surfer, where there are these games with this very precise control um, and somewhat unfair difficulty spikes in areas. Yeah. I remember and you just having to deal with it. I, I remember when we were in uh, uh, Lexington there when we went to the uh, retro event. We all sat and watched you play Spelunker. It was like, wow, he knows how to play this game. <laughs> it was crazy. Like we Most all, people, we all, they play that game. We like, die like the first five seconds after a minute because yeah, they they fall off the elevator you were or like, they fall off the rope. You were like in the Matrix in that game. Stop here, duck here, jump here. <laughs> <It's> like, whoa. <laughs> Yeah, and that game has some like even more precise uh, stuff than in this game. But yeah, they're kind of... I I think they're almost blood relatives, is what I feel <laughs> like. Because they're both games that found success on their respective home computers. Yeah, yeah. Spelunker was an Atari 800 game that got ported to Commodore 64 and then got ported to NES and a ton of other things uh, and took off in Japan. And um, by the time it came out on the NES, you know, there were already more advanced things like Super Mario Brothers, but this came out, had this unfair, almost unfair difficulty and uh, these mechanics that unless you read the manual, you wouldn't understand. Um... So yeah, another blood relative I would say also was Hydlide, <laughs> which I felt was a misunderstood game where people kept on trying to compare it to Zelda. Okay. And the problem that people didn't realize is this game came out before Zelda, <laughs> but the port to the NES came out a couple years after Zelda. And just like I feel like with Dark Castle and the Sega Genesis, the developers we're more concerned with how do we translate the original gameplay to this modern console and maybe we can you know put some more bells and whistles add some colors to it but we're not going to really change the gameplay up much yeah uh so 
it's kind of like taking a game that had come out four or five years prior that had been supplanted by many other games uh, gameplay-wise and then saying, oh, hey, let's let's introduce this to a more modern audience and um, let's just do that and who cares, you know? <laughs> like, let's, let's not polish the game up for that particular audience more than we need to because... Um, you know, I, I think Sega gamers were probably less forgiving by that point. They'd had a, a lot of um, twitchy, very precise games with great controls that to play something like this where the graphics look somewhere halfway between 8-bit and 16-bit um, was probably kind of a turnoff. Yeah, yeah. I agreed. And, um... Some random notes I, I did. I wanted to write here. I wanted to talk about. Did we talk about the uh, like the items you pick up? Because I know um, the the elixirs kind of confused me at first, and then I read yeah, the, the elixirs. Unless you know what they do, yeah, um, they basically it... they're they're one use items that are only useful for the bats and the rats, and basically it means that they can hit you once and you don't get knocked over and die. Yeah, and, and you almost hear like a little click sound when it happens. And I and yeah. I, I kept hearing that when I took the elixirs and I never put two and two together because I wasn't watching. Because at the bottom of the screen... Oh, there's just so much insanity happening yeah, in the yeah. game. And like you're kind of... Like I am, like Aaron mentioned, if you if you aren't paying attention to all your surroundings, you're just kind of you're screwed. But at the bottom you of really the, are. at the bottom and of the screen, it, it if shows, you don't knock out as many enemies as possible when you enter a screen, yeah, yeah. you're gonna get owned. Yeah, you you almost have to develop that strategy three or four times before you can pass the stage. But at the bottom of the screen, it shows you what stage you're on, the score, the bonus, uh, how many rocks you have, how many lives, and then how many elixirs you have. So I I never put that together when I was getting hit by the rats or the uh, bats and I wasn't falling down. Yeah, my elixir you, you was pick going up away. These, uh, these the sacks of, of rocks um, will actually give you ten rocks. Yeah, and then the elixirs give you one typically one elixir I think. Yeah, so, so you got that. Um, you kind of like and you know one thing you can compare this to Castlevania. You can't throw rocks when you're ascending or descending stairs. So. No, you cannot. You are completely vulnerable yep. on Just stairs like and, <laughs> and ropes. Yeah. So, so that was kind of similar. <laughs> but uh, so you had that going on, and then uh, you're, you're well, at least in Castlevania, you could whip. True. <laughs> you can't, true. You just can't on jump. stairs. You can't really do much of anything on stairs. Yeah. You are just you are completely vulnerable. <laughs> But and then of course this game has a lot of uh, penalties to falling. Uh, you can't fall very far, and when you do fall and you live, you tend to get dizzy, and that happens quite uh, often. Yeah, and the way that you mitigate that is you have to get used to the drop jump. Yep. Which, uh, if you want to get to lower platforms, try the drop jump. You especially need it when you go through the fireball area, and uh, you're at the fireball area and there's a bunch of moving platforms and the drop jump will, will help you immensely on the last platform to get to the last part of that stage, that little area. <laughs> and I'll be completely honest with you. I've tried the fireball area a few times, but after I watched a couple playthroughs on the internet, I'm like, I'm not even going back there anymore. <laughs> like, I'm beating this Never game. Never <laughs> again. Not worth it. Yeah, because uh, I, I can kind of do it pretty easily now, but the last area is still kind of a struggle because they kind of nerfed the uh, the way that room works. It used to be that you'd walk in there. There's a there's kind of a eyeball that follows you around that you can shoot and freeze for a bit. 
But then you've got these moving broomsticks. You got a moving broomstick that, like Fantasia, it <laughs> morphs into multiple broomsticks. Uh, in the original game, you could actually hit it, and while it was transforming, you could jump past it. In this version, no, you have to knock out every single broomstick, oh, or you're screwed. Yeah, and and then you know if you watch Aaron's playthrough, and I had to do the same thing. Um, you're constantly hitting your shield over and over and over again. And it, that that shield animation is kind of cool. It's kind of clever too, because if, if I wasn't playing that game and didn't watch someone else do it, I would have never known what to do with that shield when I grabbed it. Because the first yeah. time I grabbed it, I'm like, okay, I need to be struck by lightning, and I got struck by lightning, and I was like, oh, oh wait a minute, yeah, yeah, what did, what did they do in that video? Then I, I'm like, oh, you hit B and you actually hold it up in the air, and of course it electrocutes yeah. you. That's kind of interesting. I don't know if I like that or dislike that part of it. I don't know. Uh, it's definitely interesting, and uh, I, I think it's a pretty cool mechanic and it does make the game uh, a little easier i would say um in certain parts now there are people that have done full runs um you can do a run uh on easy mode and medium um i think without a shield but it's very hard because you have to rush through the black knight areas without getting captured if you get captured by the gargoyle, um, you're pretty much screwed because they're going to drop you down to treble three, yeah, um, and kind of right back to square one. So, and I was kind of thinking back, if, if I were to play this game as a kid, I would have started it up, played it for five minutes, and never played it again. Were, were you the type of the kid that just kept playing these games until you figured it out? Uh, yeah, it, it. Well, with Spelunker, I wasn't. I had it as a kid, and no, I gave up on it. But this game, I think if I would have, I like the atmosphere. I like, we didn't even mention it, the, the one track of music. I like that that song. I like that tune, the box, Tokata and Fugue. I like that piece of music. So uh, definitely, you know, the lightning strike. I like I like the atmosphere. That would have drew me in. The, the constant frustration of dying and not understanding what was going on and, and not being able to, you know, look at videos on the internet. Uh, yeah, that probably would have driven me crazy. I think the Macintosh version was a bit more novel at the time because you had the strength of the graphics and, uh, you know, uh, it kind of reminds me, you know, having all these voice samples, um, kind of overkill now, but back then it was like, oh man, we can do so much now. This is the future, right? (laughs) And it was kind of like when you had the ability where you could type in words and it was like, text-to-speech synthesis yeah. and do you, you remember like how fascinating that was and you would just try to come up with the stupidest phrases um it re- kind of reminds me of that as a kid where you were fascinated by things that could, computers could do yeah that couldn't be done before that this was that game on the macintosh okay it was doing all these sound effects that you didn't hear in home computer games Mostly what you heard in home computer games were bleeps and bloops. You didn't hear uh, you know, rich audio samples and actual you know, voice acting from a computer game from this era. So to have that happen was a huge novelty, even though it's completely goofy and there are some obnoxious sound effects in this game. Uh, on the Macintosh, it was more endearing. And you'll find that a lot of people who grew up with the Macintosh look very fondly on this game because it was a game of that era because it was kind of a trailblazer um there weren't many other games that played like it 
um, especially with the, the novel mouse control and the unique setting, just a kind of a combination of factors um, <laughs> that when put together there are great, but then you try to translate it <laughs> to the Sega Genesis, which was definitely much more capable by that point. Um, yeah, not everything translates over, right? And, and then that becomes more of an annoyance than anything. Yeah. I like how much you know about this uh, <laughs> Mac version because that definitely wasn't part of my research. I like uh, it. Yeah, and what's crazy is it's not only the, the Mac version. There were other ports that I wanted to mention. This thing was ported to uh, MS-DOS, which someone will mention later in, in our listener feedback. The Commodore 64, uh, the Amiga, the Atari ST, the Apple IIgs, uh, the Amiga version is probably the best port. The worst port is not the Sega Genesis version, like many people think. <laughs> the worst port, the absolute worst port, is on the CDI. Which, what the yeah. CDI version does is it only gives you a quarter of the screen to look at. Which I think the angry video game nerd popped that in when he was doing yeah. the show and showed that. It's, it's the absolute worst because you have no idea when bats are... And rats are dropping down on you yep, from the top yep. of the screen because you have to scroll up. So it's kind of like when you play uh, a handheld game, right? You play like a handheld port, like Super Mario Brothers or something, or Mega Man on the Game Gear, where you can't see the whole screen because it kind of just blocked <laughs> it off. Exactly. That's how it feels to play Dark Castle on CDI. It's pretty <laughs> bad. But, um,. Did you, did you have a CDI or ever have access to play uh, them? I Yeah, I, I got to play the CDI um, at... I forgot what the... It was like this this store where they always had the most state-of-the-art technology that you could come check out. And it was a store that we'd go to at in Corpus Christi called Sunrise Mall. And I wish I could remember the, the name of this place. Um, but you'd go in there... And you could play a 3DO, and you could play a CDI, you know, these $700 systems. <laughs> um, and it was the only way I got to really experience those, those systems. Yeah. So I remember playing, like, Wave of the Warrior on 3DO, uh, and then Road Rash, and then on CDI. Um, I'm trying to remember if I played any actual games or if it was just an interactive demo. I think it was just a demo, to be honest. Where it's just like, look at this full motion video. This is great. <laughs> like, the CDI was not meant for video games. And it was painfully clear when you look at the Zelda games, when you oh, look gosh, at Dark yeah. Castle. Uh, there's very few playable video games on that system. And it may be one of the worst video game consoles ever produced. Probably in the top five. <laughs> I can probably count on one, maybe two hands, the number of good actual video games on that system. <laughs> but um, what we didn't mention, too, was uh, I got to play a little bit of Beyond Dark Castle on the Macintosh also uh, with VMAC, which you can grab pretty easily. So you, you go grab the, the VMAC emulator if you're interested, and then um, you can also find the Dark castle and beyond dark castle images pretty easily um but basically beyond dark castle um has a lot of the same mechanics of dark castle but the castle's bigger you actually get into fights with the guards you can pick up weapons uh <laughs> and uh which is cool 
And then I think you actually battle the Black Knight instead of him being kind of a static character that throws stuff at you. It's a more 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 action oriented. Sounds like. Uh, yeah, with, with very similar mechanics, but they also throw in some anachronisms, like the fact that you can get like. Uh, did you ever play the game Hero? Hero. I don't know. Uh, on the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. No, no, no. Never have. Okay, so in Hero, which is by Sega, by the way, uh, you flew around using um, a personal it was almost like a rocket pack but it was like a helicopter blade that spun around huh. and you would fly around and you'd rescue people uh, so in Beyond Dark Castle I kid you not there's a section of the game where you have to collect gas and you fly <laughs> around with this helicopter con- contraption uh, it's insane and you also get to throw bombs at enemies <laughs> nice yeah so sound effects are from what I could tell, mostly the same. A lot of the enemies are the same, um, but it it improves some things. I would say the controls are exactly the same. So if you like the controls in the original game, they are exactly the same. Uh, which wasn't so much of a problem um, on the Mac as it was here, of course, on the Sega Genesis. Very cool. <laughs> and some of the, uh, you, know, you mentioned sound on there, and you said you actually like the music of this game. Um, uh, yeah, it's not the, like, uh, it's kind of the one EA, song, right? It's electronic arts, so <laughs> it's a little, eh, the sound driver's not the best, but it's a pretty faithful rendition of Tokata and Fugue, which you can also hear in the game Gyrus from Konami. Huh, yeah. Um, but that's kind of a, more of a rock arrangement. I, I think uh, I think the music fit the game pretty well. Um, I think they could have done original music that would have been cool too. Yeah. But having one tune that plays continuously that's a long piece of music, it, it works for this game. I think it works. Yeah. And of course, the, the whole complaint, the angry video game nerd had, which I tried it out, is if uh, you could turn the music off, but if the music's playing at the time you turn it off, if there's a note playing, it sustains that one note like the whole <laughs> game. <laughs> Which is kind of funny. Yes. It was funny yeah, there's that these he... little quirks and, and, and bugs in this game that are kind of funny. Yeah. And uh, the, the sound effects cracked me up. I, I just kind of wrote down a note that says which is this little when you go to the shield level, this little I don't know what those things are, goblins or goobers or something. That yeah, they're like that. the eye creatures. And it was so funny because we, yeah, we just got a dog here in the past few months, and every time I would play that, and she would hear that noise, she'd start barking her head off. Oh, <laughs> and then like, I think it it's the, the bats or something, uh, at least in the original one, where you throw something at them and they say, "Come on, come on." Yeah. <laughs> uh, so just some serious goofiness, total tongue-in-cheek in this game. Absolutely. Uh, there's one room where you actually jump on floating skeletons yeah, for yeah. platforms. And then you can get to the top and pull a lever that releases a one-ton weight on top of a guard. <laughs> it's just satisfying. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, there was something I did want to mention, which is kind of little-known trivia. Uh, so 360 Pacific uh, was also in charge of porting this game to the Commodore 64 and Amiga. And if I read right, um, two of the people who worked on those ports were actually... Um, Lane Roth and John Romero, who Ooh. are famous for Dude. 
Yeah, Doom. Yeah. It's software. Absolutely. Very cool. Yeah. We and you them. know what? There was. <laughs> this is funny. It, you imagine how hard the controls are for the Genesis version. I've never seen this version. I have to look it up. But there was a mobile port. Oh no. <laughs> there was a mobile port. Oh, that's scary. <laughs> Um, but it, it kind of uh, takes from Dark Castle 1 and 2 um, in color graphics. And then if, if, if you're even more of a glutton for punishment, if you play uh, Beyond Dark Castle on Mac, you happen to have a Macintosh, um, you can grab the game. And it includes the original levels from the first two games uh, remade in the high-quality art style in that game. <laughs> Oh, I would hate to play a mobile version of that game. I don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> and there, there was one more. I'll mention one more. So um, once color Macintoshes were around in the 90s, which is, I think, the first Macintosh I actually ever played anything on, was because we had them at school. Um, so there was the color Mac. There was a color remake of Dark Castle, um, which it's so funny. It's almost like um, it makes me think of Turner Classic movies <laughs> where they would add color to... Uh, black and white movies yeah that's how i feel about dark castle where you can tell they had wildly different interpretations as to what the colors should be because uh, if you compare color dark castle to dark castle and the sega genesis they are wildly different like instead of having water levels you have lava yeah you know, instead of having uh, in Sega Genesis Dark Castle, you have like a deep purple sky. In the color Dark Castle, you have a bright blue sky, like that sort of thing. So <laughs> kind of like they were going for a different feel. Oh, very cool. Oh. I've probably gone way more in depth than this it's game. It's amazing. Like no, anyone, that's, that's probably, that's actually I a good mean, thing. All, all two of those Dark Castle fans listening to the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, they want to hear about it. But, you know, I kind of, I wanted to give this, I wanted to do this game justice because I feel like people only see the surface level um, based on one video they saw and then they walk away with an interpretation yeah, of, it, oh, man, it, like. It's the game where you fall downstairs and trip over it, it, platforms. It's the case of cool to hate, right? People, yeah. people, and and I love the angry video game nerd. Don't get me wrong; he's he's mainly right, but uh, it it just turns into oh he hates this game, so I gotta hate it too, kind of thing. Yeah, whatever. But, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I kind of. No, I'm with you. Yeah, no, I was just thinking about that. Uh, yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of uh, James Peralta in, in Angry Video Game Nerd, and I also especially like when he does re like video game reviews out of character. Yeah, yeah, which is hilarious. Because <laughs> I always feel like he's a little more balanced in those reviews. Um, because in the Angry Video Game Nerd reviews, like you know, he, he plays the bad games, uh, and he, he specifically to make the show entertaining, he has to nitpick things especially hard. Now, don't yeah. get me wrong, there are some serious things to nitpick about this game, but um, it's also a beatable game. It's not impossible. And, uh, I, you know, I, I, I agree with you. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Which, you know, if it wasn't for the Angry Video Game Nerd, I don't think a lot of this retro stuff would be... I don't consider him, like, the flagship guy of bringing retro love back, but he got a lot of people into the retro collecting... You're know, looking down at his basement and the uh, and the videos. You're just like, man, I'd like to have all those games. 
That's I, I, he, stuff that gets donated to him. Um, oh, it's crazy. Yeah, you know, I mean, if you guys want to donate stuff to us, we yeah, can absolutely. Leave you anyway, we'll, we'll but take you it know, all. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's why we have the retro junk box. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a that's a big part of it. And of course, anytime he says he hates a game, you just can't believe it. But um, this is definitely not the worst game we played. That's for sure. No, we'll, uh, uh, we'll get into no. that here in a little bit. <laughs> no, no. By for me, by far, um, by far. Yeah. So, all right, man. That covers all my notes. I I just had those little sound effect issues. I th- some of the sound effects actually weren't bad. I think some of them were pretty no. serviceable. No, some were, uh, and some were kind of honestly. Uh, the sound effects were very clear for the Sega Genesis. So if we're talking about the quality of the sound effects, yeah, yeah, they're surprisingly clear for the system. Where a lot of times the the driver, the engine, uh, the playback of the samples will be very scratchy. No, it's very clear. You know exactly what you're hearing. <laughs> like when you uh, get dizzy, oh, oh, you know, like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Goofy sounds, yeah. Yeah, it definitely has a lot of little, little humor to it, which is good. Uh, kind of makes you feel a little less, I don't know what to say, a little, I don't know, a little less serious. A l- little less pained. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, geez. Well, like I said, I don't really have much else to say. Do you have anything else you want to end on here before we go into retrofitted achievements? Um, No, other than the fact that... Once you beat the game on easy, what happens is, it just like a game of Donkey Kong or a kind of platformer like that, once you beat the game, the game loops back to the main screen. I think you get to keep your score and you get to keep any items you found. So if you've got the fireball or you got the shield, you can use that for the next difficulty. What I typically do is I beat it on easy, I can go straight to medium and go straight to the Black Knight because I've already got the shield and see see how far I get. Um, but yeah, it's it's I think that's pretty interesting. And then at least on the original game, if you beat advanced, then the game would put you on double advanced. Oh wow. Yeah, it, it kind of like in um it's kind of like that in Spelunker where it would just keep on getting harder until you could not manage it anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't think I can manage much more than what I did on easy mode. <laughs> <laughs> But you did, you did feel accomplished. Like I, I did. beat this game, I did. and it, and if if you would have went to straight walkthrough and figured it out, it wouldn't have taken that long. But I did kind of master the shield area first before I really got on. So I felt like, I felt a, a sense of accomplishment, which I didn't feel in some of the other crappy games we played on this podcast. So. Yeah. So there you go. All right, man. So you just want to do some retrofit achievements? Sure, let's do it. All right. The Genesis Gems Retro-Fitted Achievements. So I got four. That's more than I usually have. I've got five, I think. Oh, beat me by one. So uh, we'll just kind of go back and forth here. My, my first one is uh, keep rolling, 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 rolling. And that's uh, <laughs> just keep falling down the stairs, rolling back. Yes, there's like one particular <laughs> staircase where it's just a very long staircase in trouble wide. <laughs> yeah. It's just hilarious how how long he keeps on rolling. <laughs> so, so what do you got? Um, I've got 
colon blow, which is uh, beat the game on easy. <laughs> That's fun. And then uh, my next one is very similar. Rolling, rolling, rolling down the stairs. And that's uh, rolling down more stairs because I can't quit rolling down the stairs. <laughs> um, my next one is, where did you learn to fly? And that's kind of a, a joke on another game that people love to hate, to cybermorph on uh, the Jaguar. Because um, there's keep parts of everything. where like, What's that? You could keep crashing into everything on that. Uh, yeah, I used to own that one. Um, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I named it that achievement because there's parts where you can accidentally jump off a rope. And this is something we didn't talk about, the rope mechanics, where uh, they're very touching, and you don't want to touch a, uh, a left or right button and jump towards the rope. You just want to use your standard jump button um, to hop on and hang on to a rope and then if you want to move between ropes left and right so the reason why I called it where did you learn to fly is because you will sometimes grab air you'll just grab <laughs> nothing and your character will sit there for like a second for half a second and just kind of dangle in the air and then plummet to the ground <laughs> uh, <laughs> my next one is uh, don't you know that up is actually down and that's uh, figuring out that up and B uh, keeps you ducking <laughs> did you notice that you can't duck after you get the shield yeah exactly it's just a... which is not something that happens in the original that's something unique to this version oh, which wow. kind of makes sense you don't really need to duck if you've got nah, nah, nah. In vulnerability anyway. not at all <laughs> what you got and next? I wouldn't say you're invisible because you know what enemies still track to you yeah that's true it has to be invulnerability that's a great power. So, so was uh, what was your next one, or was it mine? It's your turn. Okay, my turn. Uh, super colon blow, <laughs> and that's uh, beat the game on medium. <laughs> that's good. And I have one more. Uh, this is actually a quote from the very first Thor movie. It's uh, I'll have another, and that's uh, watching the Black Knight drink yet another beer. <laughs> he does not stop. <laughs> that poor man is either going to die by your hand or by. Uh, liver failure. Yeah. <laughs> One of the two. That was probably my favorite scene in the Thor movie, where he's uh, you know, he's uh, he's on Earth and he's at that little diner drinking coffee, and when he's done drinking the coffee, he busts the mug on the ground. <laughs> I was like, I'll yes. have another. <laughs> yes. The <laughs> little bits of humor. I like the humor in that first one, and then oh, it got too serious. The second <laughs> one had like no humor. The third one was like all humor, which was great. It was. <laughs> we just bought that it on Blu-ray last week. <laughs> I still need to see it. Um, okay, so my next one is, uh, do you, do you remember the Shockmaster? The Shockmaster. <laughs> I am the Shockmaster. I will shock the world. And that was a big thing, um, big part of WWE, WWF history. Yep. Um, was this failed, um, angle, um, basically, you know, this wrestler that was going to come out and cut a promo. And uh, he's wearing like a bedazzled stormtrooper helmet. Yep. <laughs> and he trips over something, like a pole or something, and he trips into the the stage while they're cutting this promo. And I think his Booker T was like, "What the f?" You can hear him saying it. <laughs> and he, the guy, trips after like he's behind the curtain, and he's like. I am the Shockmaster, and I will shock the world. <laughs> and uh, the reason why I picked this achievement was because I love um, 
your dude kind of flexing his muscles um, as he uses his lightning shield ability. <laughs> yeah, that was and, like, every time I recorded because you know I recorded that uh, playthrough of the game. I was like, I have to say this. Like, this is great. <laughs> um, and then I had one more achievement, and that was Mega Colon Blow. And that's <laughs> beat the game on hard difficulty. I like it. <laughs> yes. It's uh, equivalent to 10,000 bowls of total cereal. <laughs> it's funny how that was one of the better uh, retrofitted achievements we've done. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, I was thinking about it. I was like, man, how much fiber do you really need? Jeez. <laughs> right. Oh, you know, there's all these cool things about castles. Um, castles are a great place to go party. Did you know that? No. Yeah, they're famous for their nightlife. <laughs> ah. nah. All right, castles, ask the big question here. Is Dark Castle for the Sega Genesis a gem? Is this game of Genesis Gym? Is it good or is it garbage? So uh, Moby Games did not think so. Uh, it nope. got a, it got an overall rank of twenty out of a hundred. Um, I couldn't find any big publication reviews, but I did pull one from uh, Sega Sixteen, and this is just kind of the summary of it. It's pretty bad. It says a. Uh, Dark Castle isn't just a bad game; it is the bad game. As a collector, I bought it because I knew that that I knew that was going to suck. It was going to suck, and I wanted to experience it firsthand. The gameplay could have been fun if EA had decided to actually work on the game, as the concept was reasonably sound. The controls were pathetic, and the fact that you you control a complete muppet who can barely walk up steps is just ridiculous. This game is great as a paperweight, a doorstop, or something to prop up a broken table leg, but as a game, it's the poorest of the poor. Wow. Wow. Okay. Burn. Oh, man. So let's see what our listeners think. Again, if you ever want to give feedback and help us rate this game, join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash Genesis Gems. We post a picture of it. We ask the question, and we read it on the show, of course. So the first one comes from Brian Jellison, and Brian says, Ugh, complete garbage game. Uh, Dom Reno says, Garbage and impossible to play and to have fun. A wonderful art on the cover. Steven Randa says, Garbage isn't enough to describe how bad this game is. This is more like dumpster fire in a collision course with a freight train full of nuclear waste that is being driven by the Incredible Hawk who is struggling to text due to his huge hands and co-driven by Olaf who is completely drunk on two cans of four mm. loco kind of garbage. Wow. Okay, thanks, Steven. <laughs> uh, Jackson Sinal says, These bad games always had the most amazing cover hearts. Uh, Brian Bowen says, Never played, but always heard it was garbage, though I was tempted by the box art. Uh, Johnny Larkin says, I own it, but never played it. But everything I've seen about it makes it seem like hot garbage. I like the cover art, though. Uh, Andrew Coed says, my favorite game of all time, Jim. Uh, okay, I'm lying. I've never heard of it, but from the comments so far, I can imagine you guys are really enjoying yourselves this week. Life is short, so love the one you've got, Sega. Stephen Kyer says, always wanted to own this game. We'll enjoy your guys' review. Tom Miller says, garbage, but ambitious garbage. Mike, <laughs> Mike Hayes says, total garbage. Uh, Joe Copel says, just watch LJN Defender bring this one to his court. So I know it's garbage. Too bad, because it was definitely a cool concept. Trevor Franklin says, ugh, I have nothing nice to say about this game, except this episode of Gin Gems will make it a nice companion piece to the Richard Bliss episode on Sword of Sedan. The real question is, which podcast host suffered the greatest? 
Jeff Weber, Jeff Weber says, I had the DOS version of this, which was basically the Mac version with ugly EGA colors very loosely sprinkled on top. The controls absolutely ruined what might have been otherwise a mediocre game. <laughs> that that line just cracked me up. Because <laughs> someone would say, otherwise a good game. He's like, otherwise a mediocre game. <laughs> He's honest. Uh, Gabe Van Gilder says, haven't played it. I eagerly await listening to this episode. Chris, Hanver- Chris Vanderhoff says, I never heard of this, but the title and cover art makes me think it's my bag, baby. Timmy, <laughs> Timmy Mac says, never played it, but from the comments, it's not looking good. I am looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say. EA, it's in the game? <laughs> Tyler Jones says, never played it, but based on the perfect teeth on this monkey dude, it must be a gym. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> looking at the gargoyle monkey, yeah, he's got some nice teeth. Nice. <laughs> Rodney that Clark. Mine. <laughs> Rodney Clark says, worse than Technocot. Hot garbage on a summer day. Barnaby Jones says, rubbish. <laughs> Josh Deakman says, I haven't played this game, but by all accounts, it's considered to be one of the worst games on Genesis. I would have to say that probably means it's garbage. Uh, Jim Jones comes in last and says, solid, but good. Hmm. So, it's funny. I I think the consensus here was, most people haven't really played it. Um, I don't think, yeah. I think most people just have watched footage of the game. And given that conclusion, I could definitely see where they're coming from with the worst game ever and, yeah um stuff like that so so for me i'm, I'm kind of i'm kind of at a crossroads to be honest with you between good and garbage definitely not a gem <laughs> yeah not um, no nowhere near a gem and not, not even close. as a port probably not even nearly the best port of the game but no, no. but w- when you look at the list of games we covered and what we ranked yes. them I, I had to go by that because i'm looking at did I enjoy this game more than, you know, look, look at our, our last piece of garbage, or our highest piece of garbage was Blast Battle. Did I enjoy this game more than Last Battle? Yeah, I did. I actually uh, yeah. did. I enjoyed and, this And I, I did too. And, and I was at the same crossroads. I went in. I went, went in playing this game thinking, I'm going to absolutely hate this game. Yeah, yeah. I played it before on the Dreamcast, and I just couldn't figure out what to do. I liked the environments, but man, this just ticks me off. And then I finally figured out how to play the game the way it wants you to play it. Yeah. Still wasn't perfect, but I still got more enjoyment than Last Action Hero. Exactly. Yeah, right? Way more enjoyment. <laughs> and if I'm judging it by that metric, yes, there are definitely better platformers and puzzle platformers and stuff on the Sega Genesis. Um, but to lump it into the annals of history and say it's you know, in the top five, top ten worst games on the Sega Genesis. I don't buy that Not because I spent more time playing this than I did, um, you know, Tongue of the Fat Man, whatever, Slaughter Sport, um, than I did with uh, what's that, the, the game um, that we covered. I keep on calling it Chevy Nova. Heavy Nova. <laughs> Heavy Nova. Chevy uh, Nova. I... I had to like watch videos of it to oh, see more of the game because I couldn't get past like the first couple battles. I didn't want to get past the first couple battles. No. <laughs> it's like I, I, that was a pain to play because uh, it just it wasn't fun to play. And and, not, and I'm not saying Dark Castle was the best most fun game to play, but after no, I figured it I out, I'm like, okay, even, I'm um, playing. Like I I was honestly thought that you would call it garbage and I would call it good, and that's how <laughs> we would land, and I would have the contro- controversial opinion. No, no. Well, and, um, and the fact that we're calling Chester Cheetah too cool to fool good, like 
I think this game is better than Chester Cheetah, not not <laughs> not better than James Buster Douglas knockout boxing. No, no. I would put yeah, it. Yeah, I would rank James Buster Douglas because that game is still arcadey enough, and you can just mash yeah. buttons and go to town. Yeah. Wow. So we're. we're Looks like we're gonna lay the we're, gavel we're down. We're gonna like blow wow. some minds. Wow, we're gonna lay the gavel down in Dark Castle. I mean, it's gonna be on the low side of good. Yep. But uh, I think we've laid the gavel down, <laughs> and people are gonna hate us for the rest of time and eternity. I don't know. I I, I think maybe we we give people uh, maybe we, some we gave them like um, more reason to to try it. Like the strategy is go yeah. get the shield first. Yeah. Exactly. Learn how to jump. <laughs> You've got three different types of jumps. I mean, and and to kind of put it in perspective, like. I didn't like playing um, Prince of Persia when I first played it. Yeah, Prince and, of Persia has really tricky controls until you learn them. And and you know games like that and all and kind of all the other. And kinda... that was also a, a a PC port that was ported to consoles later. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's 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 games like that that I never gave a chance in the world until I got a little older and saw you know what people were saying about it. So I mean, it's it's not. It's not that the game, like I said, it's not that this game is amazing or anything, but it's definitely not. I didn't consider it garbage, which is crazy. So, yeah. so uh, we'll, and and I, I felt weird because I was just like, shouldn't I? What's what's wrong with me? Yeah. But then I, I realized, you know what? I'm the same guy who uh, I I absolutely hated Spelunker on the NES. Um, and then I went back and I spent time with it and I tried to master the game. And there are some games that I feel like just can't be mastered because the yeah. games are that broken. This game isn't broken. It just goes out of its way to be frustrating. But yeah, it's unique yeah. enough and the screens are unique enough that there's still a fun game buried <laughs> deep in there. We're, we're going to lose listeners. <laughs> we are. We are. But, hey, there's so much more deserving garbage than this game. <laughs> Uh, and someone's uh, not to mention any names <coughs> retro bliss trying to make us play sort of sodan sort of slow down uh that game is way worse way worse than this game could ever try to be oh my gosh yeah and it's funny because when I, I mentioned the air and we were going to try to record this a couple of days ago and i said you know I, i'm almost done prepping i want to you know kind of want to finish this game and I felt like you were trying to defend it a little bit, and I was like, "Yeah, man, I know. I, I played this game." <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I was like, "He's gonna think I'm crazy." No, I, I, just, I really wanted that. to beat it. I really wanted to beat it. So, and I, I will play this game again. Like, it, I'll pop it in. Yeah. I don't know. Oh no, yeah, like it, there, there is a the high score aspect of it. It's downplayed a little bit because they removed the high score table, but there's definitely a high score aspect to this game where you want to see if you can beat your old score. And see how far you can get. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's cool. That's commendable. Um, a lot of the worst Sega Genesis games, what they have in common is that they're licensed games, usually. Yeah. And they're some like of those games platform. are just broken and you can't play them either. And you see all these reviews about this game being broken. I don't, I just don't see it. I, I think the game has boundaries. I think it has rules that you just have to learn. Yeah. They, and there are little loosey-goosey compared to the Mac version, but they're still there, and if you learn them, you can still get through the game. And I've seen people even get through, you know, we, we both watch playthroughs of the harder difficulties of this game, and, and it is possible. Yeah. That's a little trickier because more enemies are flying at you and things are happening. But, um, yeah. 
<laughs> I, I'm, I'm shocked we're both green on this. <laughs> well, I, I kind of I, I felt it's better. It's like right? when, you, when you both realized that uh, you, you like the same type of pizza and you thought that the other one would hate it. I thought I was the only one that liked pineapple on my pizza. I know. I thought I was the only one that liked pineapple. Wait a minute. <laughs> I guess we're best friends now. But That's right. <laughs> All right, guys. I, um, okay, so this is going to be controversial. Do you like it more than Bubsy? No. I like Bubsy okay. better. Yeah. yeah. I, I would, I would play say Bubsy. Bubsy only by a hair, though. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, uh, I Honestly, and I know Jurassic Park is up there because everyone else liked it more. I probably would play this game more than Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't like Same Jurassic here. Park I feel that like well. Jurassic Park is more broken than this game. Yeah. yeah that might be controversial for some people, but it's true. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I don't mind putting it right below or uh, right below James Buster yep. Douglas knockout ex- boxing in fifty-seven and above Chester Cheetah two cool to full in fifty-eight. Yep. So it is number fifty-eight. We are leaving the gavel down, calling this one good. Uh, and here's something crazy. We've already covered. Um, so one of the developers of this game uh, was it Arc Systems? Who was it? Not Arc Systems. There was three sixty Pacific. Who else was on this game? I wanted to say all tech, but that's not what it is. <laughs> it's not all tech. Uh, there's another company. Our tech did the sounds. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, our our tech, and I want to say they're the ones who worked on Crystal's ponytail. Ooh. I'm not mistaken. I'm pulling it up here. Yep, our tech digital entertainment nailed it. Bam. <laughs> all right. That's crazy, man. Well, they have the craziest credits for the Sega Genesis. Uh, so the Dark Castle, Crystal's Ponytail, Motocross Championship on the 32X. <laughs> what? That's funny. Well, looks like we've laid down the gavel uh, to the chagrin of listeners everywhere. <laughs> we call this game good. Ah, it's gonna be funny when people listen into this. Not oh, I know. Because I, I even made a few comments. But of, this is our list, of course, that's guys. That's exactly right. Um, if you want to make your own listener, like if you guys want to come up with your own list <laughs> and compare it against what we've rated, um, like I'm sure there will be differences, but um, that that's okay. Yeah, we, we still love you guys, and we hope you love us back. Yeah, that's right. Well, guys, and and the next episode is looking pretty one-sided right now that the next episode will be a listener pick and the first I three the first three suggestions were vector man sword of sodan and versus soda whatever you'll call it and alien three it looks like right now vector man's winning but there is a big push for us to play that other uh, game <laughs> <laughs> let's be uh, objective here that other uh distinguished electronic arts game and, and honestly, before we started the show, I actually went ahead and bought that off eBay because it was so cheap. I don't actually own that one, so it, was, it will now be in my collection just in case it wins. I already have Vector it Man. It was another port because it was an Amiga game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. And even then, I was like, yeah, this was total like, <laughs> let's get these big sprites on the screen. And, uh, it's it's so not... huge, yeah. Like bigger than James Buster Douglas. Yeah. Oh, well, we might not have to talk about that. We'll see. But then, of course, I already own Vector Man and Alien 3, so I was good there. So I just figured, just in case it wins, I'll go ahead and buy it, so I don't have it in my collection. Yeah. So, there you go. All right, guys. That's it. Good. Dark Castle. If you want to see us on the web, com is our website. Um, I actually did. I bought a castle recently. Had a little device under it to fill the gap under the drawbridge. 
Uh, the, yeah. de- the device was called a uh, remote control. <laughs> so, yeah, just that. I forgot to tell that joke during the show. So. Yeah, you know, I had a, a good joke, um, and I almost lost it, but I'm going to pull it up here. What is a rat's favorite game? What's that? Hide and Squeak. Oh, I think I'll say Mousetrap. Oh. oh hide and Squeak. I, like I think that would be their least favorite That's game. That's true, because they're getting trapped. That was a crazy board game. What is small, furry, and brilliant at sword fights? What's that? A mouseketeer. <laughs> <laughs> the mice jokes. I like it. <laughs> right. And come on. Someone's got to call an exterminator, not the guy with the rocks. <laughs> Next time, get the guy with the extermination gear. Come on. Remember, He's got to have like the, the DDT and, yeah. and the foggers and bombers. He called Dwight Schrute to take care of the bat. Remember how he got got that rid of that bat in yes. the office? The Meredith said that was like the coolest moment of the show. <laughs> Someone told me today at work that I uh, I make facial expressions like Jim Halpert, and right when they told me that, I just kind of turned away like halfway and looked at a fake camera with a funny look on my face. <laughs> <laughs> of course, they all started busting out laughing. You did the, the side mug because <laughs> I did it without without skipping a beat. <laughs> oh, that's great. I don't look anything like uh, Jim Krasinski, but I appreciate that comment. I mean, he's got a successful movie out now. He can do anything. The way my hair is going, I'm looking more like Kevin Malone. uh... Oh, no. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, we appreciate you listening to episode 70 is in the books. And uh, had a good time. I'm surprised how much fun we had on this. Me too. I had a great time. (laughs) Aaron, appreciate it, as always. We'll make sure we post uh, all the links we mentioned on the show for the, uh, the podcast we, we talked about and things like that. So, and coach, join us for more thoroughly average games. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> it's edging on mediocre. Yes. <laughs> all right. So, guys, with that, we will catch you later. Later, guys. Later.